Welcome to the Spicy PL Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Spicy PL Pod. This is episode 24. I'm Alex, a.k.a. Big Babble. We've got Jim Marcotte, a.k.a. Big PG Boy, and the star of the show, Mr. Big Joe Cat, Joe Capolino. What up, what up? But the true star of our show is our special guest with us on site, Mr. Nick Wright. Hey, yeah, so, way more star power now. He's, he's got a lot of star power. Who would have thought we'd have Nick Wright on the Spicy PL Pod? This guy, he's done the bodybuilding, he's done the powerlifting, he's been on a ton of big podcasts like Mark Bell's podcast, he's got some really good numbers, so uh, we're pretty stoked to have him on the show. Yeah, it's like usually we, we try to find guests who have like never been on a podcast, we search out these weird guests, you know, <laughs> like Tiny Meeker or yeah. Carl. But we got Nick, so we got so we got Nick now, so we got to do good here, man. You know, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I'm judging. I'll uh, decide if I want to walk off or not as this thing picks up. Yeah, Nick already <laughs> made fun of us because of our audio and video capabilities. If you don't know Nick, you know, he's big time. <laughs> yeah, I think the audio is actually great here. Yeah. So I, we never thought we'd have, like, a professional looking at our setup, but here, no, I, here I, it is. I, I, I'm very impressed. All right. Yeah, I'm like crawling around in our basement <laughs> trying to untangle wires. And like this is this is a better part. job than I would do if I set up a podcast <laughs> by far. Well, thank you, I'm Nick. Impressed. I th- I think you're blowing a little smoke. Listen uh, to this crispiness. Yeah, the volume. <laughs> It's not bad. Like, I can't watch call-in podcasts. I've been spoiled oh. by, like, Joe Rogan and, like, Mark Bell even. So yeah. it's just like I – li- I did listen to your Tiny Meeker episode. That was awesome. And that was the, the first call-in episode podcast I've listened to in a long time just because, like, I like this crisp audio. Yeah, yeah, I think we should talk about that later because I'm, I'm glad you listened to it and I'm glad that you know a lot of these multiply lifters and stuff like that. So we'll talk about that later. But, sure. you know, one day we will improve. Maybe, but for now, we got to shout out our title sponsor, mm-hmm. yeah. Quest Nutrition Athletics, quest-nutrition.com. Um, you know, as we've been telling you guys, we drink hardcore every night. That's real. You know, actually, yeah. Sherman's, Sherman and James are shipping us up some brand new lifting shoes. We'll give a review on those when we get them, but yeah, I know they're going to be sick. Yeah. So. Yeah, at least they look sick. We'll try them out. We'll let you know. I mean, yeah, we're going to look good. (laughs) No matter what, they look sick. But I think they're going to be pretty sweet from everything I hear. Yep. Um, So, you know, if you need some shoes, need some supplements, check them out. Again, gym equipment. You know, we're still we're still ordering stuff for our gym. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah, I normally use just normal, like, creatine monohydrate. And I usually buy just whatever brand. Uh, I like the Vitamin Shop brand, but I want to try the, the, the Quest um monohydrate i think they have some mono so yeah we're gonna hit them up for that to get that give it a shot um also taking the hardcore and i added in some collagen peptides in there so i think that's gonna help um the joint the joint old man joints my old man (laughs) joints but like mixing the collagen with the hardcore i'm i'm thinking it might be a a nice synergy i don't think i don't know if quest sells collagen i just got it from wherever but the hardcore is sick it's all right it's good stack all right. So, I mean, we got Nick Wright on the podcast. So I want to start out by asking uh, a little bit about bodybuilding. So, like, I, to my knowledge, you kind of – did you start out with bodybuilding? Yeah, I did. I started when I was, like, 15. Wow. Little teen. I was, like, 104 pounds freshman year. So I just wanted – like, I was obsessed with being bigger. I had, like, 11-inch arms. I was super weak. So, um, yeah, just kind of got into it for that Did reason. you get bullied when you were that size? 
No, not really. I mean, I was always kind of like, I definitely had little little dog syndrome. Yeah. So I'd always be like extra aggressive. I wasn't one to let myself get bullied. But when I would act stupid and get into fights, I, it would never go well for me. Because that was, that, was <laughs> uh, that was before wrestling and boxing and all that already. But on top of that, I was just so damn little and light. Yeah. But it was cool because like once I actually, on top of doing wrestling and all that stuff, once I started gaining weight and size, like throughout high school, you become more confident in yourself. And then mm -hmm. I never got in a fight again. It was just like, yeah, you just that, relax. That was, that was big for me, you know, when I was younger, like 13, you know, like three 15-year-old kids beat me up and took my Nokia, right? Yeah. And so, like, I literally just started lifting weights to try and get bigger. Because I was tall, but, like, you know, I was getting picked on by older kids right. and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get fucking huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I just remember going to the gym and fucking loving it. and still doing this shit now yeah exactly so and then it, it it does help sometimes you know get your ass kicked once yeah well yeah because i mean it's like <laughs> lifting isn't going to make you a good fighter but it just builds more like self-confidence if you do it correctly if you're not like getting your validation from it and yeah. you just enjoy doing it then yeah you build more self-confidence and just becomes better that way yeah. yeah so so what's bodybuilding like when you're 15 years old like you know dude it was crazy like looking back i had to be like delusional and i'm glad i was it worked out but like I had no business jumping on the stage that young. Um, I mean, I, in general, my genetics for bodybuilding are just subpar. And I, I do all right because, um, like, you know, I'll diet and I'll come in in condition and I can pose well and stuff like that. But uh, it was crazy. Like, I would literally just be packing, like, these crazy meals, bring them to school in Tupperwares. I'd go to, like, social events with Tupperwares and stuff like that. We'd be in – we'd have a cooking class and, like, we'd make some fun dessert. Everyone would be excited to eat it once we were done making it. And, like, I'd have to not eat it and stuff like yeah, that. That's crazy in high and then, school. Yeah. And then people found out. We were, I went to a very small, clicky, like – high school so it spread fast and i even had like teachers making fun of me they're like everyone girls are like you're bodybuilding what are you like i'm bigger than you what, what are yeah, you so yeah, like yeah. It's it weird. would they would ream into me like non-stop <laughs> at parties i get it yeah. and i was like one of those personalities where i like stayed friendly with pretty much everyone i got along with everyone um so no one like it, it was one of those weird things where like it wasn't directly like bullying me for it it was like friendly bullying but mm -hmm. it was intense non-stop but I just stuck to it, and it's crazy because now you got those same people that are, like, on my fan page and stuff like oh, that yeah. and mm -hmm. giving me props. Yeah, guys. I just feel like, you know, like, it's like you go to powerlifting meet and you see, like, the seven-year-old lifting and maxing out their dad, and you're like, yeah, maybe it was not the best idea. I feel like, you know, a 15-year-old bodybuilder, you might think the same way. Like, I'm not saying I think it's bad for kids to get into strength sports, mm -hmm. but maybe you're 15 and you're, like, dieting and yeah. cutting and shit like that. I agree. You I know? agree. I, I wonder, like, <laughs> did it stunt any growth or, like, you know, who knows? It's, and then you're you know, fucking, you're six foot now, right? I'm six foot six on a good day. <laughs> I'm fine. If you shut the lights off, I'm really tall. <laughs> I mean, I think all that weight training when you're at a young age is actually really good. Because, like, I think when you're in that developmental stage, like, what you do, like, what sports you do, kind of set your body's physique for the long term. Like, I feel like... A lot of people that wrestled when they were young kids have, like, really good muscle bellies mm. and, and are, like, very explosive even, like, like when they grow up. And, like, how you train and how you, like, how you use your body when you're young kind of translates to how it is when you're yeah. old. Maybe. I feel like there's, like, a balance. I, I agree with you. I think a lot of good came from it. I do think getting into weightlifting young, if you do it safe, is a great thing. 
And then bodybuilding itself kept me out of a lot of trouble I could have gotten into, keeps you disciplined, keeps you driven and all that. And essentially got me out of a nine to five job at 21 years old. Yeah. Um, but like on, on the flip side, it's like there are other things too, like, you know, you're young, you're developing, maybe cutting down to like those extremes isn't yeah. the healthiest thing mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. It can definitely develop like uh, bad eating habits. Like I had a mm -hmm. big problem with like binge eating mm -hmm. afterwards pretty oh, recently. Yeah. I've seen that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Alex, <laughs> it's so bad because you know that it's not the right thing to do like especially like if you're like coached people or whatever yeah. like you just know you're not supposed to eat 10,000 calories a day for a week after a bodybuilding show but you literally just sometimes you just can't help but like yourself. it's you, awful your appetite goes crazy right yeah your hormones are all messed up like your 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 hunger hormones and everything like you just don't feel full and you can literally develop like a bad eating addiction almost to it it's like you there's a great book um not a sponsor plug i bought it off amazon it's brain over binge if anybody has a binge eating problem and it's really cool it breaks down the science behind binge eating and it's literally just you basically reprogramming like the more animalistic side of your brain the part of your brain that you know panics if you can't breathe or dies for sleep or you know mm -hmm. it's that side of your brain you're basically just programming it to feel like it's starving and you need to go into a frenzy of eating anytime you eat even when you're not actually starving and it's just like, it's something that comes from, you can, you can hammer that into yourself through different ways, but dieting can definitely be a culprit of that. Mm -hmm. What was like the most shameful binge you've ever done? Man. Well, so this last show, this last show was rough, dude. 2019, I competed in summer shredding. Very happy with how I looked for being yeah. a shorter prep. I didn't give it the full amount of time I normally would, but still happy with it for the short amount of time. But anyway, I competed at like maybe around 170, mm -hmm. 168, 170. Super diced. Yep. And then after that, I pounded probably 10,000 calories, 10,000 uh, milligrams of sodium, and just like oh pounded God. all this crap overnight, basically. Oh, my God. Uh, I remember salt. following this. And yeah. I got Were you, your legs messed up. It gave me such bad edema. I was, uh, mm -hmm. I went from 170 to literally like 200 pounds plus, like in overnight, basically. And like Holy my shit. ankles are swollen up, That's my bad. face and my stomach was distended. And it was like crazy. It was a little alarming. Like, I'm one, I'm kind of like the type where it's not the best way to be, but something happens to me. I'm like, just ignore it till it goes mm -hmm. away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I actually went and just got myself checked out just to make sure my heart was okay because there was like chest pressure. Yeah. And yeah. that was definitely shameful because i was like i just did this to myself and then the mm -hmm. worst thing was yeah. i'd be sitting there with these swollen ankles and i'd still keep eating it was like a real like disorder it's like what it's the bad. fuck and it's like you when you have a binge and it's you like you eat fast like mm -hmm. as if it's gonna go away you're not breathing yeah. you get anxiety if you try to fight it yeah you're just yeah. like well i've already eaten like x already so yeah that's yeah, a yeah. Little more. right right <laughs> so get a little something sweet at the end you know yeah, really finishing off. That's dangerous because you hold all that water, so you get water surrounding your heart, and that can like yes. slow down your heartbeat. That's like I've heard about this. And what's <laughs> crazy is how yeah. common it is. Like when I started sharing, mm -hmm. I decided to go the opposite way because I was ashamed of it, but I was like, "Fuck, it, I'm just gonna share it." You put it right out. I did. Yeah, it's like if this can help someone. Yeah, that's good. And then I got so many DMs from people showing me pictures. Like I, I've never really seen anybody with this issue directly like that before because people don't post about it. They're ashamed. Mm -hmm. I got so many DMs. People send me photos that looked worse than mine, yeah. just like exploding overnight and mm -hmm. stuff like that. I've heard about it. Like one of my past bodybuilding coaches like warned me about it, and like I thought it was going to happen to me because I went pretty hard. But <laughs> I guess maybe I didn't go too crazy with the sodium. When you went to that secret sex party at Nationals and ate all that cake, that was like a sex. Maybe scheme. I will go to Nationals now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just bodybuilding, dude. This was it wasn't. A, I don't. It wasn't a sex party. Okay, it was. It was a sex scheme. You I, were in the. We don't know if it was a sex scheme or not. We don't know what if it's a Ponzi scheme or like what it is but it's this guy and he's got this company where basically he hires on bodybuilders 
um, that he like manages. He's like a management mm-hmm. company. And like you sign up and you sign away like your life to them. <laughs> so it's like for the next 10 years, like 30% of your income goes to this guy. Damn. But he's going to build you up and like take you from being a nobody and like you want a clothes brand. I'm going to help you do a clothes brand. You want to, you know, become a, you know, pro bodybuilder. I'm going to, I'm going to hook you up with the best bodybuilding coaches with all the steroids you could ever want. I'm going to make you this. And he, he sells this to people and he gets them on. And uh, it sounded kind of weird. He invited me to this mansion after nationals in Miami, uh, NPC nationals. And I knew some other athletes that he uh, like represented already. They're like, yeah, come over. It's crazy. Like he's having a giant feast. It's like a Thanksgiving (laughs) dinner. And it was, it was nuts. Like it was like a huge mansion in uh, I think it was Tampa or Fort Lauderdale or something like that. And he had like an entire table of gourmet donuts and like, a professional chef in the kitchen cooking up like a five course meal, all this stuff. And like, I did a little bit of research on the guy and he spent several years in federal prison for, for being a con artist. (laughs) And uh, he got a plea deal because he uh, like built some case against Google for like their targeted advertisements. And he like, he like has done credit card fraud and like check fraud and like all this stuff. So like we were just talking like there's there's some scheme behind this. Yeah, like, definitely. That's crazy. A lot of people that he signed. No, but he was banging are, the athletes. I so I, he did happen to be homosexual. I think. Yes, yeah, so, of course. I think yeah. he liked, so he wanted to know if you would do the game. He liked the way you look. He liked my look. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he loved your look. He liked my long hair back then. <laughs> but like, <laughs> we don't know what the hell is going on with this thing. But it seems sketchy, and I think it's going to blow up at any moment at some yeah. point. But. Well, yeah. anyway, I remember you binge hard after that one. I binge <laughs> at that part. I binge really hard at that part. You messaged me. It was like, you think I should take a shower here, or like, you think there's cameras in the shower? I was like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> in the okay. bodybuilding world, there's a lot of like weird, very stuff. Yeah, a lot. Like yeah, when Nick, I was bodybuilding, what's the weirdest thing you've seen? He probably gets DMs. He probably yeah. gets weird DMs. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've been offered for things similar to that. Um, you just get that a lot. You get a lot of guys with money who have crazy ulterior motives and literally try to play to that. I mean, I've had guys calling me offering to be my manager and stuff like that. And to get me this gig and that, and this is like kind of before the major era of social media. So I was more like gullible as a teenager and mm-hmm. you didn't have like Instagram and all that yet. Yeah. Just YouTube. And um, yeah, they make all these promises, but then they like, they want they, the request to start getting weirder and weirder and mm-hmm. quickly red flags would go off and yeah. you try to snip it off as quick as you can. So I never got really sucked into anything, fortunately, but you, you saw it all the time. There's so many opportunities yeah. too. Yeah. This guy was like, he was paying for private flights for these people and like bringing them to pro shows. Was his name Nick? Um, I did get invited to something like that. And I think in Vegas by a guy named Nick, it was very similar sounding to that. I can't remember his last name. His company starts with an M. I think he, I won't go I think he had, uh, he probably had other aliases too, didn't he? Have yeah. yeah, dude, he yeah. did have different aliases. And it's, it's was he a younger-ish guy? No, like, he was kind of like a middle-aged, fat, bald guy. Okay, this isn't the same guy then. <laughs> but yeah, in bodybuilding, it's just a weird, it's a weird thing. Like I thought that I wanted to try bodybuilding. Um, people have always been telling me, you should try bodybuilding, you do good. And I was always kind of curious about it. And so... I did it and I was pretty successful. So I liked it and I like being shredded. It's fun to look good, but mm. it's just very, very strange. It's a strange thing <laughs> yeah, to do. It's good it's you have those pictures to show stage. your girlfriend now. You know, <laughs> like, hey, I used to be shredded. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I might do it again, but I don't, 
I, I don't that. think that it is a normal thing to do. It's very like neurotic. It's very extreme. Extreme. Uh, the way I word it is, um, I'm big on like taking responsibility for yourself. So I don't like saying anything is inherently like a dangerous sport or, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. If you want to call it a sport lifestyle. I don't think it's a sport. People call it a sport. Yeah. It's weird to well, call it a sport. Maybe it's art, whatever you want to call it. Regardless, yeah. like I don't think it's inherently dangerous, but I think it can be dangerous if you don't keep yourself in check. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. But maybe, maybe I'll do another show. Maybe I'll just get, man, they I kind of want you to do one, one just because I think that like the progress that you make, would be pretty cool and then just shut it down yeah you know i mean my goal i thought i could get a pro card in classic physique and then i went to nationals and saw everybody that was gassed to the gills they're nuts looking and i was like dude i'm gonna get smoked here like <laughs> at the boston show i would say like in the npc i thought maybe like 70 60 percent of the guys were on shit and then when we went to nationals i was like 90, 90, 95 95 yeah. percent of the guys. Larry Wheels won the national. Oh, he didn't. He didn't. He, didn't win. Win. he went. He, he didn't win. He didn't win. I thought he won. I think he had second oh. overall, right? Oh, it was good, but it wasn't. I, I I know Hunter Labrada won the heavyweight overall or whatever, but I don't. Yeah, I think I'm not sure if Larry was heavyweight or not. Yeah, there's gonna have to be some errors and omissions. Someone's gonna have to correct me on that. Yeah, but I know Hunter won. Hunter Labrada, Lee, Lee Labrada's kid. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So Nick, like, what was the furthest you went in bodybuilding? Like, what would you say was, like, the peak and, like... Um, I mean, like, I uh, I competed all up to international level in my teens, which was cool and did really well there. Yeah. And then this last show was... Uh, but, I mean, as far as, like, how far, as far as what? Like, pushing health? Uh, it's not, like, it's cut and dry. Like, I can be, like, yeah, I did Worlds and I did World Games right, and powerlifting. Right. Like, w- right. what's the equivalent in bodybuilding? So, um, it... it that's actually an interesting question because it depends so much on the federation you do too. So if you do NPC, obviously that's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. So NPC, you go on to nationals, um, and then you get your pro card, and then you I have to be pro and so on, and the ultimate goal is Mr. Olympia. But with the I did a bunch of different federations. So like one of the cooler ones I did in my teens is my last year of being a teen. I did the uh, natural Mr. Olympia out in Reno, Nevada, huh? which I think is in Vegas now. And that cool. that was really cool. That yeah. was um, I did that in my teens. I got runner up overall, wow. which was the only time I think it was a bullshit call. Normally, I never say that. Like people mm-hmm. had a lot to say about my last show in 2019. I just keep my mouth shut. I got whatever I got. That was the only time in 2010 um, that I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> but <laughs> were you YouTubing back then? Like, when did you start YouTubing? Because I I follow you and I've watched like a, a couple of videos, but I'm, I haven't like been with you the whole mm-hmm. time. Like, and it sounds like you've been. You know, you've established yourself. You have a lot of followers. So, like, how long have you been doing that? Uh, man, I've been YouTubing since, like, 2009, I think. Wow. Nine or ten. So, how old were you then? So, I was, uh, I think I was, like, was I in high school still? Well, 2019, uh, 2009, I would have been 18. So, yeah, yeah, I think I was about 18. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. I think I started posting some videos of competitions and stuff like that earlier than that on YouTube just to kind of have, like, almost like a Dropbox. Mm-hmm. And then I looked one day and I was like, oh, people are actually watching this. And then I like public speaking. I like interacting on camera and stuff like that. So I just started doing that, and that's probably around 2009. That's awesome. So, do you do you like edit all your videos back then? Like, yeah, and I still do. Still but yeah, do. I just I liked it a lot. Like I, uh, I I always wanted to be like my goal. I remember back then was to become like the most known natural teen bodybuilder. 
because like I remember watching like this YouTube was pretty new. Like the only other fitness YouTubers out at that time were like Scooby and like Scott Herman. Mm-hmm. So like Scooby was fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so wicked old school. So yeah. at the time, bodybuilding.com, you know, if they weren't doing a documentary on you or Flex Magazine wasn't covering you, there was really no outlet. So YouTube was still fairly new. So I was like, this could be something here. I just kind of started doing that. And again, it was one of those things where I kind of jumped in almost like delusionally, but it paid off. Because there are other people that look better than me and stuff like that, but... It's just, tough. I mean, it seems like you just... If you just grind, right? Like, you, well, you really have to just keep... That's how powerful is, too. Like, the yeah. strongest guys are, and girls are maybe not the most popular. Right, you know? right. Yeah. It's, there's people with personalities out there who put the time in mm-hmm. to it's their, their content and they get the most followers, you know? Yeah. So... I think the biggest key to success with content creating is you just got to be passionate about something and have that be your passion and obsession first. And then the content is secondary. Your content is just a way to share it because the biggest mistake you can make is trying to focus on the content first and doing it just for the sake of getting big numbers and, and getting yeah. paid and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cause it's going to cr- climb so slow. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get bored and you're going to run out of ideas and the audience will just kind of see it too. It doesn't feel as genuine. So if you yeah. stay, if you're, if you're truly obsessed about something, it doesn't have to be uh you know, like I'm, I'm moving a lot more into like informative information on strength training on my channel now, very specifically just that now. So powerlifting programming techniques, stuff like that. And I love it. And I've been helping a lot of people out, getting their numbers up, maybe may start coaching, may not, I'm not sure, but I like making the content that's helpful like that. Dude, and if you started coaching, your shit would go crazy. Yeah. That, <laughs> I'm really thinking about it, man. Cause I've yeah. been helping out people this year and it's been crazy to see their numbers go up and I love it. I, I like it a lot. And it's not the most popular like topic, like that topic doesn't get viral views, but I love it. And I think that resonates. Yeah. So the views that it do get, they're awesome people watching. I feel like that's great. Cause like before I started coaching people, I like took a year and I coached like a handful of people for mm. free. And I was like, well, if I fucked them up, you know, I didn't charge them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So, yep. That's cool, man. But like in the bodybuilding thing, I mean, like, did you ever think about going dark? Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. But it was like one of those weird things for me. Cause like in bodybuilding, the stacks those guys go on is just insane. And I've, I have a lot of friends who run in. I watch what they go on. I watch how they come off. And like, mm-hmm. and so for me, like, it's like, if, if you were just going to run like a bit of test or something like that, like whatever, but to have to like run a full contest prep stack seemed insane for someone who doesn't really have the genetics to take it anywhere. Anyway, yeah. that was my whole thought process. So like, if it was evident that I, Mr. Olympia genetics or at least genetics would give the top pro levels a fight, mm-hmm. then maybe I would have. But for me, it just did not seem worth the money, worth the health, worth all of that yeah. just for, you know, to be kind of it's, all right at it. It's weird, like, with steroids, like, because you hear so many different opinions. Because, like, we had John Rivas on, right? And he um, he competed in the USAPL, tested. He competed in the USPA untested holding an all-time world record total at 242 all-time Jeez. world record he, he then took, larry wheels broke yeah but yeah. like basically he was on the same playing field as larry wheels yeah and now he's going for his pro card he did ifbb pro card he, yeah. does he have, he doesn't have no, it yet, but the next show he trained he for, looks like he's get it he's pretty damn close to getting his pro card Crazy. in bodybuilding he's a heavyweight and he's saying that bodybuilders actually use less so yes so that's what you're gonna find i've been in this sport forever i've worked with top pros i've worked yeah. with everybody i've picked brains and all that what it comes down to i heard jerry ward say that too that they're not on as much shit as everybody thinks. the top guys the good ones 
are not on as much as people think. The top the ones the ones who stay in the NPC realm and in the Nationals realm, I believe that. those guys are on insane <laughs> not all of them, but a lot of them are on the same time. It's funny. It's yes. genetics. It's genetics. Yeah. So like if you have really good genetics for bodybuilding, 100%. that's also gonna be with gear. You're gonna respond well and less will be more. And I've talked to some of these pros and don't let them fool you. When they say they're not on a lie, it's like there it'd be a lot for any recreational gym goer. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, it's not a crazy holy shit cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um because they just respond to it. They make two basic major compounds, maybe, and then yeah. they respond well to it because they're just yeah. genetic yeah. freaks. The guys that are still fighting for that pro card in NPC, though, those are the guys like they're trying to create yeah, science experiments. Yeah. Boston Lloyd just recently told we me love that. Boston. <laughs> yeah. He told me that if he'd go back in time, he wouldn't have gone as crazy on the drugs because now he's regretting it physically. Yeah, his body is just. His dick's fucked up. Yeah. It's just like it fucks yourself up. So yeah. that, that is true. The top, top guys won't need a whole lot and you see with powerlifting too i think because it's a genetic thing like john hack openly admitted to switching on to uh test and a sarm i think and it wasn't it wasn't anything crazy i think it was just like a regular thing to test correct me if i'm wrong double check me he said it on a yeah. podcast but it was something like that so he claims he's just using a little test and some in a, in a sarm and i believe it though because like the dude just genetically was just yeah. nutty i think it's true he like, doesn't look like he should be able to do the shit he does and right he just does it right a lot yeah a lot of times you hear like some of these guys that are really excelling are already genetic elite like they just take a little bit of test and they start like you start with the smallest amount that will give you progress and like the least side effects and just kind of as long as you're making gains like that's the smart thing yeah less is more less is more like like uh yeah like to go back to the npc stuff i i see some guys that are just taking everything under the sun and then they still don't look like and they look like shit it's just the genetics man you have to have the genetics for it so i recognized early on that i didn't and it didn't like discourage me or anything. I was like, I'll stay in my little lane. I'll compete locally and, and I'll try to kill those shows. And then I'll make the most out of it by creating cool content around the show. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. even if there's just like a local or I did a lot of regional size shows too. Um, but even if it's just like a regional size show, you know, I put together a video to make it seem like it was like the Super Bowl yeah. or something. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. And I think a lot of it is like kind of your, your mission statement. Like you said, you were trying to be known for being like natural bodybuilding. Mm-hmm like get as far as you can as a teen in natural bodybuilding so that's like kind of part of your mission statement to be natural so it's like did that that, that probably helped you to keep from going dark because you kind of like owed it to your yeah. followers and stuff yeah like that, to, that definitely played into it too because you start questioning that you'd be like oh, am i gonna lose people now or like yeah. at mean, the end of the day i don't think i would stand for you know yeah at the end of the day i don't know if i would have cared because i think like if you want to switch over, switch over. Yeah, just as long as you're transparent about it or whatever. But yeah, it was just for simply for me, it just didn't make sense to. I didn't see and, a need. and what about like classic physique, right? Like yeah. when you competed, probably in your teens, there wasn't like classic physique. No. And now I feel like, you know, if you look good, but you don't want to be a fucking monster, like you don't want to take that much shit. And I love you it. You can yeah. excel in classic, like Alex yeah. and classic. Yeah, kind of, but they keep raising the weight limits, at least in the NPC. So yeah. if, in the <laughs> natural federation, yeah, it's just like, I think in natural bodybuilding, you're just going to look like it's all the you get to the same yeah, kind of yeah. level but in npc yeah. like untested they have weight caps for heights so that's why like the classic physique guys don't look as like mutated as the open bodybuilding guys but they keep raising the yeah, weight but even the dude who won the arnold this year he looked pretty fucking like yeah monstrous what's what's yeah. interesting too is i wonder how i want i don't know if it's like they're necessarily taking less drugs it might just be like less of the wacky stuff like um those guys probably don't need to like pump insulin 24 mm-hmm. seven and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, synthol, stuff like that. But like, yeah. I'm sure they're still stacking, you know, the trend 
Anavar, stuff like like the typical yeah. pre contest stuff. I'm sure yeah. they're still stacking because those guys yeah. still look freaking insane. Yeah, well, it's still so much about food and bodybuilding too. Yeah. So just like they don't get as big. Like if your weight cap for me, like it would be like 190 something mm. for my height is like the weight cap for NPC. For pro, it's a higher limit. But like if you just don't eat as much food, like don't get up that high in your off season, then they just you know, maybe they'd get up to 240 it or something and then cut back down to, like, 190-something. But the open bodybuilders, they're trying to push it to, like, yeah. get to 300 pounds, and then they're going to try to weigh, like, 260 yeah. on the stage. So the thing just, I never did, man, I feel like I'd have great I, genetics for gas. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably. Too. I That's have, like, smart. a crazy appetite. I've always been able to, like, get bigger. Yeah. I'd fucking... You'd good thing mass, I never did that. Probably would. Yeah. Do you think you'd have or, a... Or too guy? bad. No, I think that. I think if I had, if I ever did do it, I would do it to try and do, like, strongman. Yeah. Oh, I, I have no passion for aesthetics. I think overall strength. Yeah. When I was a kid, I wanted to be, you know, world's strongest man. That's what I thought was cool when I was, like, 13, and I found out that it's not natural, and it just... Yeah. I don't know why my principles are that way. I just never considered... Yeah, doing any drugs but if i had to go back and like you need to become as popular at, 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 of a strength athlete as you can like yeah. say that was scenario yeah, yeah i would go that route right. rather than anything else that makes way more sense because i think you know i'm probably too tall to be a, a, a power lifter anyway i just happen to be good in gear that shit helps me yeah man I, strong man so cool but i'm not built for strong man at all you no. gotta be big you gotta, you gotta be big, big. hands everything yeah big. yeah it looks like a lot of fun, but I mean, Kujanowski is one of the best uh, strongmen of all time, and he wasn't a particular. He's big still guy. fucking big. He's still big though. Like he can't be <laughs> well, like five eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's like five ten compared to yeah. compared to you know Thor and yeah, but how would he uh, Brian fare? Shaw. How would he fare against those guys? He would get ass beat now. He competed in a generation now. where the events were a lot of speed and agility. Mm -hmm. Like they had to fucking swim. Yeah. And get sandbags. Yeah, like yeah. they don't do that shit anymore. No, yeah, they don't do it. Anymore. The sports evolved. How O.D. Wilson lost that world strongest man because um, they had to run like 400 meters with the fridge on their back. Jeez. He was winning the whole event and he got smoked because he couldn't run at all. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Well, I'm kind of wondering too, like how much world strongest man is kind of uh, tailoring the events to the strengths of their biggest name athletes. Of too. course. Yeah. You know, so Seems like, like that. You know, I, I, would have would Eddie Hall have won World's Strongest Man if they didn't have a deadlift in that event? No, but you have to have it some type of deadlift. No, I know, yeah. but like, you know. You have to have a deadlift. You have to have an overhead lift. But some years they had an overhead lift medley. Who mm, right. running around, right? Yeah, or yeah. they have a fuck. They used to have deadlift medley. Now they don't. Yeah. Do. You just fucking pull a thousand and you get the fuck out. Right? Yeah. You know, Pujanowski, like a few years ago, there was a show where the, the, the World's Strongman record was 881 or some shit. And like ten guys just showed up and pulled over nine because it was like they just needed to get them all in the same room and all these huge motherfuckers, but no one was doing. And now all of a sudden, the guys are pulling eleven. Yeah. So just some in the last ten years happened. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah. So, what's another then versus now for world's strongest man? I mean, like John Paul Sigmarson would get his ass beat. Like Bill Kazmaier would get smoked by like. Brian Shaw, yeah, or Thor, yeah, like just that. genetically, like if, just if they were here with yeah. all with all the Kazmaier training and nutrition, yeah, just size wise. Dude, Thor's an anomaly because he's he's six nine, I think, and then, um, but he's like yeah. jacked too. Like Brian Shaw is obviously jacked. I, I did a seminar with Brian Shaw um, back when him and I were the same sponsor, and um, dude's huge in person, super nice guy yeah. too. 
and he's huge, and he, he has a lot of muscle packed on him. He's six eight. There's something about Thor, man. When you see Thor in person, he looks like a mutant. It's like he has these like bodybuilder esque delts. That's yeah, the thing. We saw him this year, wide. and I was like, he doesn't even look healthy. He it's looks crazy. like he has synthol in his delt. Yeah, I mean, obviously he doesn't, but it looks like he does. And, and something about that creates this illusion where he somehow like, looks even bigger than six yeah, nine. Like yeah. he just towers. It's crazy. It's nuts. He has like jaundice skin though. It's he's like, posted he's some some posts recently because he's lost a lot of weight. But like I think there was a picture of what like a then versus. Now, like a like a throwback of when he was like a skinny like basketball oh, yeah, player, keys. or yeah, when he pulled three hundred keys versus when he like when pull he five. was pull five, it's really really crazy how his heart has to be fucked up. Yeah. He also has that um, what's it called? That palsy. Yeah, Bell's palsy. palsy. Yes, yeah. that that. So is that like from lifting? Like the, I think it's just random. I think it no, happened. it happened. It happened to like uh, one of my teachers in high school too. Just, just randomly, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, we should get back on track. I just wanted to, like, like Nick, you know, so you thought about going dark. You you know, obviously you haven't, but, like, when did things change to powerlifting for you, and, and why? Yeah, so I always loved strength, hence why Ronnie Coleman was always my favorite mm-hmm. growing up when I was, like, a teen and stuff. I love strength, and I'd always even kind of sacrifice some bodybuilding training for going too heavy back in the day, mm-hmm. and so I was just obsessed with it because, like, I, I was weak, so I was obsessed with strength, pure strength, um, and then in 2012, I did my last show up until the summer shredding. So that was my last show at 21 years old. And I got, I got fed up and kind of fizzled out of bodybuilding. I got burnt out, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, that show was the first time where prep just seemed... Did you say you burnt out at 21? Of the preps, of the yeah. show preps. Like, yeah. I just mentally, like, it felt like a chore. It didn't... Because I was competing since 15, so mm-hmm. it felt like a chore. It didn't feel like fun or an obsession anymore. Like, my head wasn't in it. And if you do a bodybuilding prep when your head's not in it, it's miserable. And like, and it cost like a relationship at that point. It was a relationship that's probably going to fail anyway, but it was just like, I was getting really burnt out of just the dieting prep stuff. Oh, girls love, girls love strength sports. They love (laughs) (laughs) We've all lost them over our fucking stupid sports. So at this point, you're already, you're already Nick Wright bodybuilding, right? Yeah. You're already... Yeah, yeah. Got a ton of stuff going on. So so I, I quit competing, and I just kind of stayed making videos, still looking the lifestyle of it, training videos, nutrition, all that stuff. And I got really bored, and I wanted to get into, like, a, a sport that was subjective. I, I mean, um, not subjective. I was yeah. sick of the subjectivity. I wanted to get into a sport that was, you know, cold cut. And um, I was thinking about different things. I was thinking about getting um, into, like, fighting or even, like, play with the idea of Olympic lifting, something like that. And then... I stumbled That's upon. That's what you do after powerlifting. You try Olympic lifting or fighting. That's what all the <laughs> shitty powerlifters do. I did it backwards. So now you know. Yeah. Now you now you can try MMA. I'll later. never be a good shitty powerlifter. <laughs> yeah. um, so then I found Candido, right? And and mm-hmm. that was the first time powerlifting clicked because to me back then, because powerlifting did not have the platform it has now. Back then, I thought powerlifting was just a bunch of fat guys with beards. Doing one rep maxes yeah. with really funny looking plates. Yeah, that's like what Joe wishes powerlifting still oh, was. It was sick. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk about. He's he, you're just giving me images of Gene Reichlack and Scott Mendelson. And, it was sick, dude. Um, Those are good old days. And then seeing yeah. Johnny though made it relatable because you see this kid who's like about my size and yeah. he's in a real gym with real plates yeah. and he's squatting weight that was obtainable. It was more mm-hmm. than I was doing, but it was realistic to me. Yeah, and Heavy he was, back yeah, and he was doing it really clean, and I was like. Wow. Okay, I can do that. I think, but I got to learn how. And then I started digging in deeper, and you learn more of like how much of a technique sport powerlifting can be, and all the ins and outs of programming, and just basically got hooked in 2014. Did my first meet where I might have met you for the first time. Cause I don't. I've been walking around. Yeah, because I know it was one of those. Mike. Yeah, my, it was Mike's show, so <laughs> I did that one, and that was really cool. And then just got hooked, and then powerlifted 
one dimensionally powerlifting, just like we get fat and do nothing else. One dimensionally powerlifting until like 2018, where I Sick. then did another cut and then did the show. And now I'm doing kind of both, where I'm keeping some physique training in there and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not getting my validation off of powerlifting anymore, but I'm still like crushing numbers. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like your like channel blew up when you switched sports, or you know, it's just like your followers are into what you're doing no matter what, or do you feel like you got a bunch of new stuff going on? It was a blend of both. It yeah. was um, definitely like a big rebranding moment. It really blew because my channel. I've been already YouTubing for a while at that point. My channel started phase, um, fizzling a little bit. And then I switched over and then boom, views went up crazy mm-hmm. through the roof. And then like, that was also when part of thing had this huge pop in yeah. social media too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So everyone was making these videos about me. It was like, oh, Nick Wright just switched to part of thing. And it'd be like part of just making videos like that too. So that drove in some new people, I'm sure. And then um, it was just like a new thing for people to focus on. And it was kind of the trend at that time. Yeah, it's me- kind of funny that you say that Johnny Candido was somebody that you kind of uh, not maybe not looked up to but somebody kind of got you in a powerlifting because sure. i remember watching videos when i first got into powerlifting too and it was like the people who i watched the most were johnny candido and mark bell yeah and yeah and like they just made like the best videos i guess i'm bitter like, about mark bell though and you know uh like you said he you know watching him squat 405 for 10 and then like trying to dunk a basketball or whatever after was like kind of cool you know yeah so has Johnny Candido lost his mind a little bit though? Why? Johnny Candido's always kind of been a little he's neurotic, a little quirky guy. Yeah, nothing but love to him. Seems I love very him. smart. Very well, he's he, a great he kid. is. So it, it's 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 he has a lot of pros that come with it. Like he's very smart. He's very meticulous. Yeah, and so like it, it allows him to be very thorough. So if you ever watch him do a video, he's very thorough and careful yeah. with how he words things. Yeah. Um, his in his research very well read. Yeah. When he coaches people, he's very thorough. Like. He always ends up, his decision or his answer on any given topic will always be extremely thought out, more than the average person. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's been cool. So it's a lot of benefits. But then the, the downside of that is, like, he'll go off YouTube for, like, a year at a time. And, like, he just, you know, he can be a little, like, I think, neurotic. You know, like, I just guy. tune in and I see, like, an orange jumpsuit. And he's, like, squatting in his driveway. And yeah, yeah, his yeah. Head and he's that's talking it. about something super abstract. Yeah, he's, you he's, know? he's quirky like that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, I, I watch all his stuff. No, the, yeah, the world loves it. But, yeah, he's definitely, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a character. And yeah. my, my gripe with Mark Bell, I need to air my grievances, is that, like, I was, I was a huge fan of Mark Bell. He was an equipped lifter. Yeah, yeah. I learned so much off his channel. I loved it. And then, you know, once he came up with the idea of Slingshot and like he just completely switched to raw, everything's raw, you know, so I'm just a little butthurt. He didn't stay true to his roots. You I know? think the biggest, the biggest factor for that though, for him was when he busted up his knee, I think he just didn't want See, anything this, to do with real power yeah. anymore. Yeah. Quote unquote real power. Real power. I liked when he was doing single ply shit and he, and like I thought that was cool yeah because like his squat went from like 1100 to like 700 and I was like yeah it's fucking single ply yeah well that's what made his bench even more impressive to me is that he was I think he still benched 800 single ply which is insane um so yeah I think after that the knee accident he's just like fuck it yeah that was bad and then I don't know then I feel like he also mentioned too kind of like when he went to go chase that big equipped bench that he hit feeling like that was like all he had in the tank at that point yeah so I think I think it's kind of what you just said like he Mm -hmm did what he could there and then moved on to like some raw training. And now he just, I think he trains kind of moderate all around. I don't think he does anything crazy. He's just shredded. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, he found bodybuilders. He went the other way. He went to bodybuilding. That sucks. From powerlifting. <laughs> he's like shredded as fuck now. No, nah, he's a good shit. Yeah. He seems like a nice guy. I, I love Mark. Super good dude. Yeah, so you've been on this podcast a couple times saying you've like hung out with him. Um, like, what's he like in person? Same as he is in videos. Yeah. He's awesome. Um, yeah, it's cool. I get along. Me and Ariana always go out there together whenever he flies me out. And then his wife gets along with Ariana really well and myself. I, I love both of them. And then, so they always invite us over to their house every time we're there. They get like wine. They always have good wine. Like they cook oh, up yeah. good food and stuff like Red that. Rib eyes and wine. Yeah, yeah. So they always do that, which is really cool because I don't think they do that like regularly. So like mm-hmm. we get along with them pretty good. Yeah, he so seems it's really cool. Time. Like the old super training or maybe even the current super training, like the fact that it's, free membership right for if, if yeah, it, yeah it was it was it, it i don't was. know what it's what, i don't even know if it's open to the public right now or what but yeah, yeah like you, have to ask, you have to like find them and ask them and then they'll, they'll invite you and they have like some open times for people to come and then like if you train hard and you like love powerlifting you just yeah like, yeah come train mm-hmm. it's just so crazy because i cool. remember watching the videos where they would take like the elite fts bands or whatever and crisscross them on their chest Mm-hmm. and use those to bench like, and that's where they got the idea for slingshots because they were doing assistance work with bands oh shit that's right and I just was like oh shit like, I feel like I was there when yeah. they did the slingshot yeah. like, I was just watching it on a video it was crazy and he did a good job making the design because there's like a couple of variations of slingshots out there like oh, yeah. the, the big figure eight style one but he did it really cool where he made it like an actual sleeve and stuff like that I think the figure eight ones you actually get more pop out of but like Mark just did a really good job branding it these mm-hmm. are one marketing yeah you know, having different strength stuff. Like, we use the figure eight ones, but they, if you're, like, a raw lifter and you're just trying to, like, add a little bit to your bench mm-hmm. at the end of a workout for reps or yeah, something. Like the, yeah, yeah, the uh, here's a, here's but the a, figure eight ones are actually too strong. Like, they right, give you right. so much. It's, yeah. like, shit that we like it's to probably, do. Yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah. like, the normal person yeah. likes to do. Yeah, I think what's so <laughs> successful is, like, just people that, like, my brother just does bodybuilding, you know, does, like, normal, been training 10 years or whatever, has a chest day, has a back day, you know, basically bodybuilding stuff. And I saw he had a slingshot, like, in his trunk. Like, what the fuck? I'm like, what do you have a slingshot for? So it's like, I think that he's reached the mainstream. Yeah, for like, just for like, his max effort upper body day. Yeah. So I'm like, what do you have a slingshot? You've got to do, like, extra volume with your slingshot when you're done. Yeah. So, like, those super duper, like, heavy duty ones, those ones are more for, like, the under, like, the hardcore yeah. uh, equipped lifting crowd. I will say, though, that I actually don't like the figure eight ones at all. I like the slingshot better because... At least it still feels like a bench, like the groove. But like some of these other ones, like oh, I'd just know. rather put my bench shirt on. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, it feels like almost a waste of time. So what are all the what are all the different slingshot competitors? So, let's bring the same amount. All right, so we have some abstract ones here, but we'll start with the bench daddy. Bench daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the one Gene used to use back in the day? I don't know if Gene used it, but a guy that looks like Gene, Mike Womack, okay, is the one who makes it. Oh shoot, he's a big daddy. bencher, you know. Rest in peace, Gene. But Mike's yeah, still alive, yeah. making bench daddies. But I've heard recently, if you order from him, like he, he just takes your money and you never get your product. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, someone's probably gonna yell at me, but don't. don't that was order. a paid plug right there. Don't order anything. <laughs> from me. I mean, from from Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and then so there's that, and that one comes in like two colors, and three colors. Like, yeah, there's like the. Whatever. The yeah. co- there's a green one that I can bench like 700 pounds in. It's fucking stupid. Well, what can you bench raw? Do you know? Uh-oh. I have benched over Don't five. Right now, I'm probably in the high fours. Nice. I've had some ups and downs. I've never been a good raw bencher. I've been, you know, more of a yeah. lower body guy for mm. raw, but I get a lot on my bench shirts. Um, I bench five 
seven years ago, and I'm still trying to bench five again. So <laughs> it's been a rough ride. But, you know, so I get 200 pounds out of a double ply bench daddy. So that one's like Jeez. the craziest shit I've seen. And then one day I was fucking around online, and this was before we found out this guy was a massive racist. But I ordered um, some stuff from Metal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot all about the Metal drama. Yeah, Holy yeah. Crap. So, so just just to put that out there, we do have a Metal catapult here. It's called the catapult, and it's an orange figure eight kind of bench daddy slingshot apparatus. And it didn't fit me because I guess Finnish people aren't fucking jacked. So <laughs> I think it, I ordered the biggest size and I gave it to Luis and Luis loves it. Yeah, Luis loves that. Uh, he doesn't use it anymore. We'll just say that because oh, fuck yeah. metal. Yeah, but, fuck metal. Yeah. You know? He never uses it. So there's that one. <laughs> then there's the slingshot. And there's our boys, the Titan. You got a super Ram. The Ram. Yeah, the super Ram. Ram. Jeez. So I'm, I wasn't a huge fan of the Ram. I feel like it slipped off. It didn't give you a lot. But the, uh, the Magnum like, Ram looks sick. It's got like yeah. two sleeves that are sewn to like a straight piece. And it's more yeah, like it's, floppy. It's more kind of like the slingshot, but it's yeah. a little different because the sleeves are angled, not like just a flat piece. So yeah. those are like the main four that I know. I love how this turned into like a fucking <laughs> review of all. Like. Yeah. And so and does Mark Bell has like different, does he have different strengths? Yeah, yeah, yeah he does. Too? You get the reactive, which is like basically perfect if you're raw lifting. It just gives you a little bit, like nothing crazy. You're um, still sponsored by Mark, right? I basically I'm like affiliated with them. It's cool. With so with Mark, what happened with that is I started using their stuff like five years ago, and I liked it when they started dropping the strong knee sleeves. I liked it better than SBD. Mm -hmm. So I switched really? over and I started using all this stuff. And the gangster wraps were amazing because they were 36 inches, so great wrist wraps with the double velcro. So I started using that. And then in 2019, they called me up and it was super casual. It was like, hey, um, do you want to start like a discount code with us? Something like that. Yeah. Just yeah. Real, real simple. Normally when I do sponsorships, we talk about business for a while. We talk about what they want, what I want. We work out like um, there's a salary, then there's commission, there's all this stuff. But with them, I've been using them so long, I didn't think twice about it. I was like, yeah, I already use you guys. I'll just mention a code from now on. If it gets anything, I'll get a commission and mm -hmm. people save money. Easy as that. It was like the first time I did it. It's I just, almost I like good them. for your followers. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I like them. So it was yeah. easy. I just didn't think much of it. And then lo and behold, People ate it up. It ended up crushing it. Like the performance wise, as far as like me putting it out there, just mm -hmm. did insane numbers. And um, we've just kept it like that ever since because I don't want to ever make that like a contract thing. Like I like having the freedom of, okay, I like this equipment, but oh, I also tried out this knee sleeve. I can use this or whatever. Yeah, you don't so, want to be like contractually yeah. obligated. Because like, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you've been sponsored by a lot of different companies over the mm -hmm. years. I feel like once you get into a contract, you go through it. It, it goes through whatever its life is and it's like move on to the next thing. You don't end up with like that lifetime partnership or anything. Right. Yeah. Very rarely. Yeah. 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 Very rarely. You can renegotiate, but then it's like, like it, that's up to the company to stay good mm -hmm. too. Cause like I've had contracts and, and they wanted to resign me, but then like, I don't know like the direction they were going in. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean like you must deal with this a lot, but we were just <clears> talking <throat> about it recently cause we have this little podcast, right? several hundred listeners and we just got um our sponsorship from quest nutrition and athletics but it's we like cool. we know sherman like sherman's been sponsoring joe i've been as to sherman's lifter. house he's yeah. been to his house like and we we like love the guy we love the company and like we like the stuff and we're, we're just cool with it but like we we're saying like some other people are trying to you know do some sponsorships and i'm like i want to make sure that we agree with everything um yeah. that the company stands for and like that the products are good and i don't want to like sell out you know because mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. like you listen to podcasts you, you hear a bunch of ads and it just like seems like 
bullshit, you know? So like less is definitely more sponsorships is what I learned. Oh, I, I yeah. used to take them left and right. I mean, within reason, I only yeah. stuck to like principle. And this is your profession too. Like you got to make money. Right? I, yeah. People I understand that. I always said no more than I said yes. Like I get a lot of emails I just turned down. So I made sure I liked it. I actually yeah. like it and use it. I, I wouldn't bullshit people. Mm-hmm. But like now, even if there is something that I really like and genuinely use, I still might say no just because I don't want to have to be obligated to post them X amount of times and create content that's yeah. not organic. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like now. Yeah, even if I love it. So yeah. nowadays, it's just like I like it keeping it really in. <clears throat> so like the slingshot thing's awesome. I, I don't plug them left and right. I wear them when I PR. You can't really fake that. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, if these are what I'm wearing. If you like them, here's the link. That's it's true. Mm-hmm. Tell me more, like, because we were talking a little bit and you are saying that they have some, like, thicker knee sleeves that like they're not IPF approved but the they're gangsta like gangsta sleeves they're like they're good for training <laughs> the gangsta sleeves I kind of like the sound of those that. are yeah. the best sleeves I highly recommend to anybody uh, for training to try those out because they're 13 millimeters thick they're yeah. still basic neoprene material so um, you're not going to be moving like weights that you can't yeah. move with other sleeves it's just like a little bit thicker like, this, yeah. is, this is not an ad I'm just genuinely curious no 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 it's, it's, I, I know it's <laughs> sounds good. It's, We're um, always down to for thicker gear. Yeah, yeah. Some, and like More fucking SPD is cool and everything, but you know. No, so I I use I used all that, and like, this, this is the yeah. this is the beauty of like not being under contract and like review other stuff too. But like, so I used SPD back in the day. Obviously, I used Ray Ban way back in the day. And yeah, I like that. I liked SPD a lot when they had like their original like formula. The sleeves felt a little thicker, and mm-hmm. then they changed something. And it didn't feel quite as good. And I remember even trying to size down to like really squeeze into it like a trash bag and everything and it's still like just it didn't feel that good compared to the strong sleeves when those dropped yeah I, so i remember sneaking strong sleeves into one of uh mike's, mike's meets yeah before they were ipf approved <laughs> you can get away with it <laughs> yeah local meets yeah. one thing i will say about the spd knee sleeve controversy is we've talked to well at least i've asked people at spd I'm like no these raw lifters they say you guys change the fucking sleeves because you know what i don't I've competed in knee sleeves maybe mm. once in my whole life. I wore knee sleeves in a meet. I wear them in training, but I don't really care. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I didn't notice if they were different or whatever. So I asked the guy straight up. I said, did you guys change it? And he said, this fucking bullshit. So that's what they're full of shit. I think they went to a cheaper manufacturer. Yeah. That would make sense because yeah. there's definitely a distinct difference. But it wasn't like you changed the whole design up difference. It just felt different. My gripe with them is they make, you know, they entered the knee wrap and wrist wrap game. And their wraps stink compared really? to like Titan and Inzer and probably even Mark, you know, Mark Bell knows how to make wraps because yeah, yeah, he's an yeah. equipped lifter first, right? right? You say the double Velcro and the 36. It's like, yeah, that's because we know because we're, <laughs> we, we've been using this shit, right? And the SPD wraps, they stink. The knee wraps were like, uh, we had a lifter in the gym, Monet, sponsored by SPD. So mm. she got the wraps. I wrapped them, took them off. They were like crumbling. I was like, and their price point for the wraps were way more than a good pair of injured tight yeah. wraps. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck these guys. Yeah. So that's my feeling on SPD. But I had to wear their t-shirt when I compete at the Arnold. So I've heard their sponsoring is kind of funky too. Like they'll kind of, this is a while ago, but I heard like they'll kind of, one, they don't really give their athletes much at all as far as sponsorship goes. Then yeah, two, unless you're Ray Williams. Yeah, you, can say, yeah. you get sick t-shirts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then like, but two, I've also heard like they kind of, when they do pay them or whatever they do, they kind of give the same treatment to everyone. So you can be like a Ray Williams and still be getting the same treatment as someone who's way less than Ray huh. Williams. And you know, I don't know. I never, I've, I never worked with them. That's what I heard. Yeah, I've, I've heard that they have different tiers. I think maybe I was talking to maybe it was Daniel Bonica, Mello, Bonica or somebody. Yeah, Bonica. Like, oh, yeah, like, Bonica. They won't yeah, they let like Bonica in the top tier. They have different tiers. Yeah, Bonica's not top tier, and that's upsetting to her because she's 
you know, probably won the most world mm, championships. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, she's not like the pretty girl posting her ass on Instagram, so she's not going to Oh, she is posting her ass on Instagram. She's posting her ass. She's posting her ass. And OnlyFans, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, know, I know Gibbs has been with him for a while, Brett Gibbs. Yeah. yeah. He's been on for a long time. Yeah. So, I don't know, like, if this is, like, too touchy of a topic, but, like, I guess in your past, like, if you've had a lot of sponsors, like, what was, like, the sketchiest sponsored, like, deal? That you like didn't like, or like you wish you were. Did like, you really you, like? Like, do you have Armstrong? any? Did you regret like? <laughs> oh, so so Ur, no, Armstrong, I liked, but I didn't like. As soon as I went into their contract with them, and then realized like they wanted me to post X amount of times a month, then I started hating that. So I liked Armstrong, and I used it, and I actually liked Sawyer. I liked the company a lot. Is it legit? Because I saw, yeah, I, mean, I saw a lot of a CBD, lot of people post it's CBD. Them. I mean, it's not. I've said it, I said in the first video I made. It's like you're not going to be getting the effects of like getting like prescribed medication anxiety yeah, wise. Yeah, it's just CBD. But you know, I liked it. And um, is it good for the recovery or something? What was it? In theory, it's good for recovery. I just like it for the anxiety thing. Like you just you took a draw of it and just like kind of relaxes you a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was cool, but like I didn't want to have to fucking tell you a hundred times yeah. that it I liked it. Like there so, was like a it wave. Just seemed like, yeah, like there was like this period of time where just like everybody was posting Herbstrong. All of a sudden, everybody used yeah, they, they went in on marketing and it worked for them. But uh, yeah, so like that was one of those things. Like initially, I just did like a video like once a year or whatever, like just here yeah. and there. It was, it was cool, it was organic, whatever. Yeah. And then, um, but then I got a contract with them, and it was a good salary. But yeah. then it was like. I like this stuff, but I don't have to tell you I like it five times. Like yeah, it just, feel, it just feels mm-hmm. like it, it probably like hurts your brand. So or something. yeah, so we eventually we, we got out of that in a very friendly way. We just ended that one, and that was like I was so high. I was so relieved just to be out of that one, just because I still want to keep posting about it. Yeah. But that's why that's why I'm telling you, like I say no more times than like even with things that are good that I genuinely like. Like that was a good learning experience there. It's like you can really like something mm-hmm. and actually use it, and then. It can suck when you actually have to be under contract to promote it X amount of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, this is like a whole new world for us because we're just like, well, most guys I, I, I'm, I, I mean, feel relatable. Like, yeah. I'm probably the only person that was sponsored by both Enzer and Titan and dropped by both Enzer and Titan because I'm too much of a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, with like Sherman, I've never had any real obligations. Like, Sherman's helped me with travel and things like that and gear and whatever he got me the inter sponsorship i've been able to go and train with sherman he's always sent me supplements whatever yeah. me and sherman just always had a good relationship there's no contracts whatever yeah he's sherman like, has a team of lifters that he's going to help as long as you're lifting he's mm. going to help you right he's like one of those weird bodybuilding guys that just loves it's bodybuilding. like fo- it's but like fox catcher but except you don't weird. have to have sex with him. yeah it's like he's like one of those weird <laughs> bodybuilding guys but like he he's not weird like people he's not, ask he's people not ask trying to like fuck you. what it's like when you go to his house so you go to his house he lives in this yeah. huge house in atlanta and then he has his warehouse where he manufactures flags he, he, he commercially manufactures flags that's how he made his initial money but then he also resales, you know, supplements, equi- gym equipment, yeah. you know, bumper plates, kind of all this stuff. He's a huge warehouse. And then half of that warehouse is a commercial gym. Yeah, he just and loves And there's a power, power. building he room. Just loves power. There's a power yeah. room where, like, Dave Ricks trains there. Like, Mike Tushar has traveled to train there. Brian Cyrus used to go to train with him. Like, yeah. every fucking legend in the game goes to train at the Quest Power Room. So I go to the Quest Power Room all the time. Anyway, but, but then there was co- the concrete thing. Yeah. And, like, once they started saying I had to comment and post... And they keep tagging me in posts. I just completely shut it. Down. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm just good. I'm like I'm good with that. Like I try. To I'm not gonna do that. Stuff. I hear you. I try to stay from that, so I don't want to go under. Like I've even talked to a company recently, 
um, Isatory, uh, who I was with, I was in a two-year contract yeah. with Isatory. That was a dream sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Dream sponsorship. That I mean, that was like a rock star lifestyle. They flew us out to the coolest places, red carpet events for CT Fletcher's premiere, sharing popcorn yeah. with Daniel and Bailey and all them, and like just cool places and like Vegas poolside. Like mm-hmm. it, it was awesome. Like doing seminars with Brian Shaw, CT Fletcher, and stuff like that. Loved it. And then they started uh, changing the people who were behind the scenes. So like the CEO stepped down and new people that were corporate GNC came in. They wanted to change all the stuff they were doing. So my contract ended and they talked to me and said, we'd like to keep you on, but we want to start implementing this, 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 and this. And like, mm-hmm. I didn't like it. So I respectfully just, we went our separate ways. Like, I'm a good note. Yeah. yeah. It was, a, it was a nice breakup. Um, and then just recently, I still, to this day though, I still use their Morph Extreme. It's my favorite pre-workout. No sponsor plug. I have nothing with them, but I just still like it. So I buy it off Amazon. And then I just got the idea. I was like, why don't I just hit them up and see if I get some free stuff? So I did. It's all new people. They didn't even like remember who I was. They followed me, but the guy behind it didn't. So I was like, can I just get like um, some of this pre-workout from time to time? And I was tagging. And they're like, oh, absolutely. And then they gave me this whole like affiliate form to fill out. And I'm looking at it. And it's all these questions. And I'm like, I know this is a little unorthodox. I was like, can we just forego even the discount code or anything like that? You don't have to pay me anything. No commission. It doesn't cut into your um, yeah, just send me your margin. Shit. Just send me some stuff. Just send me the shit. Yeah. And I'll tag you in it free of charge like once in account. a while. Yeah. And it's, it's good because there you go. It's like now nothing's cutting into your margin. Now you don't have to like pay me a commission. You don't have discounts being taken out. But um, I'll tag you. I'll put swipe ups once in a while just whenever, I, you know, and then you just send me some stuff. Wicked organic. I like it like that. Yeah. yeah. And then um, I also won't work with... I. For a while, I was doing like a lot of like one of sponsorships. So like companies would hit you up for like a one time thing mm-hmm, to incorporate, mm-hmm. and um, they pay all right. But I learned very quickly that like the more annoying the company is off the bat about arranging yeah. the deal is how it's a sign of how they're going to be to work with. That's how it's going to be. I've had so many companies like the the best companies, the ones that are super chill. So every meal, hey, we want to do this. I'm like, yeah, I can do a video with that. That works. That'd be realistic. Let me. I'll just do a video and blah blah blah. And then they're like, all right, cool, do your thing. They let me go do my thing. It's perfect because we're content creators. So we know what content's going to go over well. Mm-hmm. But man, like I've had, I, I did a mattress deal once. A mattress deal? <clears throat> Which I actually wanted because I, I set up a guest bedroom. Yeah. And so I got this mattress and they were like, sign this contract, this and that. And, and I made this fire video for them. It was really good. Unless it's more. People have short attention spans. Like they don't want infomercials. So I, I hit the nail on the head. It was beautiful. I sent it to them for approval. That's another big red flag right there. Yeah. And they were like, we need this to be three minutes long in the contract three minutes in like a 10 minute video is a long time yeah. so i was i was just getting blown i was like i was like you guys are gonna ruin sales now like this is gonna suck if, and i was like i'm not gonna do this let's tear up the contract let's send this matches back to you so i thought you can't do that you are it's already yeah, open blah 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 yeah. and then i was like I'm, I'm not gonna do it and then um i was like this is gonna i just literally started talking as if they're like my student i was like i'm telling you how this works on social media and I, so they ended up just settling for they asked if I could just make them like a three minute clip and just send it to them so they could use it on their end. And I was like, that's fine. I'll do that. And they let me roll with my video. But now there's an underwear company. I did another thing with two months when I was cutting and it was just like briefs. It was like nothing crazy, but, and it was really easy to promote. Cause like literally I was just like, Oh, I'm fucking posing time. I got a photo shoot coming up. Got these new briefs that look good. And then, but it was just such micromanagement. I hate micromanagement. Yeah. So it's tough, dude. So uh, never again. So if the company can't be chill right off the bat, that's a red flag. And also, yeah. if they want to get on a phone call, I automatically say no. I've I, I, I've had decent opportunities come up that paid well. It was a decent product. But they wanted to supposedly, it sounded like it from the first email anyway, but they wanted to get on a phone call to discuss more 
And I was like, no, thank you. Because yeah. if you can't like something out an email, there's probably yeah. a reason why. It should be yeah. It's a little. Yeah. It's a little. Yeah, you like to have a record of conversation. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Alex are both professionals, unfortunately. <laughs> and like, email is best. Email is like, you want you yeah. want record of you things. Yeah. yeah. When you're working on projects. Or exactly. Whatever. Yeah. And if it's a good thing, it should be okay. A plus B equals C. That's it. You shouldn't need to like pitch me on something. Yeah. 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 That whole fitness industry, it's like. I've heard it's just super slimy. Some pe- like some some folks are, and it seems like oh, yeah, you know, you've seen a lot of shit. So like, and Mark Mark's really cool. You said like what people um like what people in the fitness industry are like really different in person. Well, that's a good question. Um, no. Have you ever met Mike O'Hearn? No, I've never met Mike O'Hearn. <laughs> I've heard I have not heard good things about Bradley Martin. I've never met him, so I can't speak on him. Okay, but. Everyone I've talked to says the same sort of thing, and it's never good reviews on him. Is that the zoo culture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't say if that's true or not. I've never met him, yeah. but I've never heard good things. But as far as me, like, I don't know. I think it's because just like you Most kind of attract, cool. you attract like-minded people. So like, everyone I end up working with is pretty legit. I can't yeah. think of anyone off the top of my head who's ever been like, oh, dick yeah. off camera. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. At the Ar- I feel like those people like don't go too far either. Like at the Arnold, that like I've met a bunch of people and like. Like Juju Mufu and mm-hmm. his boy Tom, like they were super cool. They yeah, seem like like the same in person. Yeah, um, I met Steffi Cohen. She was, she seemed pretty cool. She seemed nice. I don't know. I mean, yeah, a lot of these was... people seem pretty cool. But I was curious, like if, if like probably more so in the bodybuilding scene. I feel like I feel like Brad Castleberry or somebody. Mm-hmm. He's probably a nice guy. I've never met him, but um, <laughs> I feel like in, in this Caleb Von Moger, Callum Von Moger. Yeah, yeah, it's possible, man. Like I, I feel like in this era now, though, like. You, to succeed, you have to have some sort of personality. And then mm-hmm. for a personality to come through in a successful level in a world that's so oversaturated with that, you have to, it has to be genuine. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like those who actually make it out like that and are, are known and I feel like they're kind of like, it's because they're genuine. It's who they are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like who knew, who knew Larry Wheels was addicted to fucking cam girls, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people aren't, they don't seem what they... I want to guess that. You were sponsored by Mark Lobiner's company at some point, right? Never sponsored. I've just been friends with Mark Lobiner forever. He's done a lot for me. And so I've been happy to like help promote him here and there. You know, I've gone to expos with him and stuff like that. But it's always like on a friend level. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I, I remember watching some Mark Lobiner uh, videos on YouTube. And he's an extremely entertaining guy. <laughs> he's a character. YouTube. Does he really so, not sleep at all? He might not, dude. He's nuts. He has ongoing energy. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, always. I don't know how he's that. Like he said he was sleeping two hours a night for a while, and I was like, I don't believe you. But I mean, like, if anyone's gonna do it, it's him. Dude, he's—I mean—he's busy around the clock. It's insane yeah. hanging out with him. He's so energetic. He has all these meetings left and right. He's traveling twenty-four-seven. It's—it's nuts. He's—he's he's crazy. He's a good dude. He's done a lot for me. So I, yeah, I'll like—I'll definitely rock with him, and like, we'll do—I'll go to actuals with him sometimes and stuff like that. It's cool, and it's always like in a casual, friendly way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, he seems pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I feel like our weakness, like our strength, and our like me and Alex, like with sponsors and like this pot, like we don't give a fuck, but we do. But like we also have like really good corporate jobs. So like, yeah, you know, like right away when we start talking, like, yeah, this is sick. Like I hadn't had never worked a nine to five, and I was like, damn, I wish I never did. But like we don't, I think we don't need anything. But like you know, like we like our jobs, but like we also just think this is fun, and like 
I just thought like Joe's got such a huge personality that like I just want like the conversations we have in private are just so hilarious and like yeah. if people follow our Instagram stories we're just like dumbasses so like I just thought like people would like it and and I know Joe's like super passionate about equipped lifting and it made sense to me the second yeah. you said Joe was on it because I remember all your rants yeah. calling people raw tards on Facebook <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't even go on Facebook anymore I got in so much trouble back then yeah. <laughs> I almost got suspended from the IPF did you really shit. yeah like I said all the Brazilians were on gas <laughs> once because I watched that uh, Icarus movie. Yeah, you're right, right. I saw and that. you know there was just a thread with a bunch of powerlifters, and I was like, yeah, dude, I've met all the Brazilians. They're fucking gassed up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I almost got suspended. But I almost got suspended. I almost got suspended for USAPL for calling like Rob Schmidt, this guy Rob Schmidt, like a fucking creep and a, and a fucking diddler, and it was totally <laughs> unfounded stuff. But he ended up being a creep, and he got suspended from the USAPL a year wow. later. But I just start shit with people that I can tell are bad people. Mm. And uh, I don't know, man. I get in some trouble. But that's, still like, here. that's so funny. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, honored that I have not had shit started with him. Well, me. every time I see Larry Bailey, you know, like the president of USAPL, yeah. like, we just kind of, like, he knows that, like, I'm, I've been fucking on thin ice for a while. <laughs> 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 that like, well, is cool. But we had knows? Larry on the pod. You know what's funny about that is I think that Larry respects you a lot so that's why he's like gives you a lot of rope you know what i mean like i think yeah. that he, you know at the end of the day he knows that yeah. like what you're saying is not just bullshit he looks at you, you know? and he's like i wish i didn't have all this responsibility <laughs> so that i could say what you say <laughs> you know? yeah Maybe. i tried to get him drunk once yeah. i well, just spent I, a lot of money yeah i mean <laughs> i've heard him drunk and talking about the old days and it was awesome it was Man. cool he's cool he's but that, that's cool. another weakness of mine like i can shoot the shit and, and and talk trash about anybody make it entertaining but the fact that i'm passionate about equipped lifting because <laughs> nobody else likes equipped lifting <laughs> <laughs> well yeah so so nick you've lifted yep. in the usapl a bunch yep. um but like up until recently you've been like <clears throat> jumping around trying different stuff in different feds so like um, I know, like, we're, like, mostly USAPL lifters, but, like, what, what are your main gripes? I think you said you made a video about it, but, like, what's the big... Yeah, nothing crazy. It's just little things adding up. Um, like, for one, and to make it clear, actually, I have zero gripes with um, Mike in all his shows, like the Mass Lifts. Those were all fucking 10 out of 10 experiences. I, I like that. He does a phenomenal job. Mike was one of the first meat directors in the country to really amp up the production value. He like, did a great job. 12, 13 years ago, when we first started running meats, people were running meats. There were no screens, no projectors. It was just by hand. You're filling out attempt cards and filling out sheets and telling the spot. Yeah, yeah. What That's do. crazy. Yeah. Now it's completely different. Yeah, I've, dude, I loved every single Mass Lifts a meat I've done. So, like, they're awesome. Um but just like as a whole, just well, one USAPL as it's getting bigger and bigger is reminding me of an NPC mm -hmm. um, where there's becoming more and more money hungry, which is to be expected. You can't really complain too much about that. As things grow, that happens. There's just little quirky things that would happen. Like I remember there was that big drama where nationals, they weren't going to allow anyone to film with cameras, mm -hmm. which pissed me off because I was like yeah, the raw circuit as I'm not not talking about equipped or anything, but the raw circuit as it is today is as successful financially as it is because of youtube and the cameras like yep. johnny candido popped it up and like brett gibbs russ russ swole like all, all, everybody started th the reason that these guys have the revenue they have in these raw circuits right now is because of youtube and videos yeah so now you're gonna smack us all in the face by taking that away when we got you to this point that pissed me off up and down um and then i had the guy who runs the media message me trying to explain his side of it and like 
I don't remember exactly what he said. I'm like, whatever. He's running a business, but it was like was Adam Palmer. Adam Palmer. <laughs> was that it? Was that his name? He the, got the, booted. Yeah, yeah. Got booted. he misspoke on the trainees. Oh, sh- did he? <laughs> I'm not supposed to say that. I mean, he misspoke on the trans lifters. He posted about his feelings okay. outwardly. Okay. No, no disrespect. No disrespect. We we talked about Larry. We support the trans lifters. I think USAPL is going to do a good thing for them. I don't want to cut that out. No, we're not. You don't have to cut it. It is what it is. But uh, yeah, he got. It's he like got watching shit, Facebook in person. He got shit canned. He got shit canned. Oh, so shit. he's gone. Yeah. So that pissed me off. There's like a few other random little things like that. Like it wasn't a big deal. But the other thing that really pissed me off too is it's, he was it's, also like cheating on his wife with a lifter. You know, fucking that guy. See you later. <laughs> Spicy PL Bob. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> like that, the. Um, is that public? It might be public. We won't say names. Yeah. Other no, than no, no names. <laughs> <laughs> we know. We know it's true. <laughs> oh, we know. We know. We know. Um, what else? Oh, there was also um. For a while, it seems like it's getting better now, which I like. Wow, there was like this trend of these like elitist little shits that were just like becoming shit human beings. Oh, well, that's what I feel about all raw lifters, but yeah, well, some of them were getting really fucking annoying though. Like, yeah. and it was only in the USAPL. It's like, and it was never even the top lifters either. It was mm-hmm. like you just get people just like jerking off the USA, literally just being shitty human beings to other human beings and being like USAPL is the gold standard. Blah blah blah. Like, yeah, I'm like. Are you f- that was just so ridiculous. I was like, I'm getting away from this beta shit. I ain't like that at all. Yeah, it is. Like, it, the, the top raw lifters are cool as fuck. Like, they are. Like, we out with them. Like, we mm-hmm. were just at lift together. And, Most of them. And we yeah. were only, me and Kelsey were the only two equipped lifters there. And, you know, we're hanging out with, I mean, everybody's fucking cool, man. Like, they're the coolest people. I mean, we're all dumbass problems. But, yeah, there's a lot of elitist shit going on. And, like, it can, I remember going to meet and at Mark's gym, at Bay State, our gym. And uh, kids, like, working out. And everybody's like trying to warm up, and the, and Mark goes over and is like, "Hey man, you're warming up really early. Like, you, you know the meet starts at nine, right?" Mm. And the kid's like, "Oh, I'm just working out. I'm here coaching my friend." And Mark goes, "Oh, you want to work out? It's ten bucks to work out in my gym." And the kid was like, "What?" And, he, and the kid was like, "So pissed." And the, but he was like training in a single inch. Yeah, yeah. In in a meet in a warm yeah, room, that's, and I was like, yeah, "Get weird. the fuck out of here for and real." Then, a meet at Mass Barbell where there were like four benches yeah. and all these guys were competing and I was coaching yeah. and there was just some chick benching on the bench and I was like, are you in the meet? Yeah. I was like, because people are supposed to be deadlifting right now, but you have to bench in the rack yeah. and yeah. you're using the bar and I was like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> there was like, Jesus. there was like a lifter, like a special, like a special needs lifter, like waiting for a rack to yeah. that was doing the meet. And so I, I called her out on my Instagram story. I've never got more DMs than that. Cause people, oh she was messaging me like, go fuck yourself, take it down. And I was like, you think I'm going to take it down? Like, what are you going <laughs> to sue me? I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Jeez. Yeah. There's some bad shit out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you lifted outside the USAPL because of that? Uh, well, I, I, not much. I want to try USPA just because they have deadlift bars. It seems like USAPL but yeah. with deadlift bars. I did one deadlift only meet at RPS, but that was only because I was going to support like friends who were all competing there. So I just jumped into that. Um, I wasn't crazy about that federation, but um, and I've done some unsane, like random unsanctioned meets, like fun stuff, like uh, Super Total, which is like Olympic lifting and powerlifting combined. And stuff like that. Did so. Meg Scanlon do that? Or I know she does do a super she, thing. They she did a, like the Arnold. She just did both comps in the same day. Oh, yeah. Damn. She did, that. she did the weightlifting. <laughs> Josh, Josh Roar. Yeah. Yeah. Shout, shout out to our guy Josh Roar down in Atlanta. Um, 
Uh, he he did the soup to the two bar showdown. Is that what it's called? Five bar showdown. Five bar showdown. It's fucking yeah, five, five lips, lips, bro. Yeah, five. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right, five bar showdown. But yeah, I think uh, I think Vang did that in there. He also had like uh like a raw and an equipped, and some people did both. And yeah, raw equipped, Olympic lifts, like whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Whatever yeah. you wanted to lift, you could do it. So have you been training with the deadlift bar a bunch? Because we don't have one, and we don't really train with it since we like never really. Yeah, that's use that's it. all I've been using recently. We broke one and lift together. Oh, did yeah, you? we did. Well, they, well, they we did Ian Bell and Greg Johnson did like a 1,300-pound tandem attempt, and they got <laughs> off the floor, so they just permanently bent the bar. It was nice. it was so crazy when you when you loaded it up with the deadlift jack. There was so much weight. Yeah, yeah, it, it like, still hits the floor. It hit the floor. Yeah, and it's like prop it up. It's more. ridiculous looking. Yeah, I've been using. That's all I've been using deadlift bars. It's so much more. How fun. much do you get out of it? I don't get a whole lot out of it because I don't do the best job getting the slack out, but. um so like my stiff bars always are pretty close to my deadlift bar. Um, I remember back in the day when my stiff bar max was six oh five, my deadlift bar max was only like six ten, hmm. and then now I'm pulling six fifty on a deadlift bar. I I feel like I could pull six forty on a stiff bar okay. right now. It's not too much, just a little hair. Yeah, I mean I think I don't think you're gonna unless you're talking like sumo deadlift with straps you can hold on to like the center center part. Unless you're talking about those, I think the regular conventional raw deadlifter is not going to get more than like yeah. 30 pounds out of a bar. It, that's if they're using heavy. You get The heavier you go, the more you get out of it too. So if you're pulling 700, 800 pounds, 900 pounds, then you might be able to max out the deadlift yeah. bar more than if you're pulling 600 pounds. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at the level of 600 pounds, 10, 20 pounds maybe. Yeah. My opinion. I feel like USPA is funny. Obviously, if you compete, you're going to compete in the tested division. Yeah, they have tested. I'm going to see. So my plan with that is I'm going to look at, like, what it looks like. Because if there's, like, this big $100 fee, I'm just going to say fuck it and jump well, in. Because I looked at untested, and I could take the round record for yeah, untested right We now. think it's funny because, you know, like, I, I coach lifters that do USPA. And the, the application for meat, there's a box you check, like, natty. <laughs> so, like, so I remember I'm coaching guys. I'm like, I'm coaching people to lift. So I don't really care if they're on shit or not. As yeah. long as they compete in the right division. So, like, we're doing USPA nationals. And I'm like... Are you gonna check the box? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just let me know. Yeah. So all right. So Nick's checking the box. Nick checks the box. If there's a, if there's a fee, if there's like a hundred dollar fee though, I'm not. I'm just gonna jump in on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah think, I'm not paying extra for like. That's ridiculous. I think that's how it works. I think you have to pay for your own drug yeah, test. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. So self, so if someone fails that drug test, they literally are self popping themselves to the max. They check the box, <laughs> pay for the test, and then fail. That's really embarrassing. And See, that I feel like we're going to get errored and omissioned on this by a listener, but I feel probably. like the entry fee might be like 20 bucks more, but the drug test is really 150 It's kind of like USAPL where everybody's paying a little more, so top 10% can get drug tested. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. if you check the box, you're guaranteed a drug test. Well, I looked at the yeah, un- yeah. untested. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so I think people might say, oh, I'm not going to pay 20 but like, you know, the untested for a $200 the, test. The untested raw numbers for Allen, and I know, like I don't take state records seriously anyway, especially for Allen, the tiny but. Um, those I could, I could take, like, and that's not untested. So I'm really not like on a local level. I'm not really concerned about it. Mm-hmm. National level might be a whole different what, thing. What are like your goals in powerlifting? Um, 2021, I would like to just cement the 600 plus squat and the 400 plus bench into a meet mm-hmm. on the platform officially. Um, deadlift just, you know, mid 600 and up would be cool. I'm trying to chase 700 this yeah. coming year. Um, yeah, we've got like the same goals, but you're like a little bit better than me. 
I'm almost. I'm, I'm nipping at your heels. Fifteen keys lighter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's lighter than me too. But um, those are good. Those are really good numbers. Yeah. Um, I just kind of want to get stronger and stronger, but really, all of it is to like. Um, it's for like the sake of the channel, kind of like I like giving that good content out. So I want I want to like walk the walk, obviously too. So I want to get the numbers down on the platform and continue getting better there. Yeah, I almost framed my question like channel aside, what yeah. are your lifting goals? But so it's yeah, like yeah, stuff like those century month goals. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So just get stronger and stronger. Like I, what I just said would be my goals. But I don't have anything as far as like I want to make it to nationals and then worlds. Like I don't have anything laid out like that competitively. Yeah. So we were talking earlier, like before we started filming, like you don't. You're not super interested in doing a national meet if if I'm not competitive. What's competitive to you? I think if you can place top ten, that could be fun. Um, and it's it's totally it's just personal preference. Like that's my take on it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's the way you, you, anyone else should do it. Yeah. You know, some I know a lot of people. A lot of people telling me Sean Noriega, Candido, they've all told me just to go and do it, even if you don't place top 15 it's just a fun experience. Yeah. But like my thing is like for me, I don't want to have to pay. You know pay for the plane ticket, pay for the hotel, pay for the food out there, the rental car, the entry fees, all this. It's a big expense, a travel expense, yeah. just to just go lift, because I'm not even going to be competitive. Yeah, it's not like you're going yeah. to, if, if it's not prime time. If it's in Vegas, it's worth it. Vegas would be fun as hell. <laughs> Vegas would be fun as hell. <laughs> it's always worth it. I think they're going to start running a lot of meets in Vegas. Make a trip out of that one. That would be cool. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. And like, it's just... To be fair, yeah, to be fair, like a lot of people will say, well, it's a great experience because a you get to experience just the national meet, which is a whole different thing, which I appreciate. And you know, you get to network with like all the lifters that are all in one spot, mm -hmm. which is dope. But for me, it's like I've already traveled so much and I've collabed with so many lifters, and like I've yeah. done this a lot. So for me, that's just another trip, and it's like it just seems like a lot of money to literally just go and lift if you're not going to yeah. be competitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, talking, just my opinion. Talking about like the shitty raw lifters, like the kids with bad attitudes, it's probably gotten a lot better now, but like. You're just in a room crammed with a shitload of people, and it seems just like mayhem. Almost. Well, I went to Raw Nationals in 2016. Like I was telling Nick earlier, like I, I lifted at a Raw meet, I qualified for prime time, and I, I had booked my flights, but I ended up not lifting at that Raw Nationals because I got an alternate spot to go to Quit Worlds. But being there and watching sessions that were not prime time, super boring. Oh, yeah. Super yeah. horrible. There were dudes that would just drop a tripod behind them on the platform like shit like that it's just kind of like just some honky tonk shit you know <laughs> and it's like it's like you're at a big mic meet that just lasts all day and yeah it's five platforms it's just like yeah. it goes on forever right just, right so then i would go eat and i'd come back for prime time and you watch some sick shit mm. i think what and that's before they raise all the qts and stuff so i think it's gonna get better like people really fucking whine when they yeah. raise the qts but those are the people that fucking stink anyway yeah and are going to fucking play grab ass anyway so I think it will get better because they, they keep yeah. raising these QTs. They should just get rid of prime time and you can actually have just two flights per weight class and some badass lifting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they should get masters and shit out of there. Raw National should just be like an open thing. Yeah, that'd be dope. Yeah. Like I don't want to see this. I don't want to see the masters lifters mixed in with like I mean, Chris Lewis and yeah. Ashton Rushka. Hot take, nobody gives a fuck about masters lifting. <laughs> No one you piss off a lot of old. I'm dogs. sorry, but it's boring. Shout out Eric Coverstein. <laughs> oh, well, Eric Shout Coverstein, Rick Johnson, Jarno, Rick Johnson. Yeah, we tra all we train with all masters. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's underwater powerlifting, you know. No, I think it'd be. I think you know. I think it'd be a good experience for you if you if you ever felt you were that. To, like I remember my first national meets, and I was in college, and I was going to collegiate. It was sick. Yeah. Now you know, 12, 13, I don't know, fifteen fucking nationals later, it's like another meet. But, yeah, right, right. You know, every uh, like you're saying, you you traveled a lot for 
to collab and, and do content. It's like a lot of my international travel has been for powerlifting yeah. to, to lift, which has been fucking cool. And even when we went like on vacation, we had the idea to go to Japan to meet up with the Japanese lifters. That's so, like, cool. A lot of shit we do is like still fucking based around powerlifting. Yeah. So, I mean, we were going to a wedding in the Philippines too, but that's no, like, that was awesome. Um, we met up with the, the team extreme team, the Japan TX Tokyo extreme. To- power. To- Tokyo yeah. Extreme. <laughs> yeah. It was extreme badass. Power. I wish like, I wish we had like Nick Wright with us to film that shit because we got to get our shit together and like film some of the dumb shit we do. Dude, yeah. that'd be good content. Yeah. That'd be cool. Like we were in Dubai. We went to fucking Salt Bay's restaurant and then I did a meet the next yeah, day. Yeah, I saw him with the picture. You know, shit like that. That's like, cool. Yeah, we probably should like document a lot. Of yeah, you should. That's pretty sick. <laughs> that's why I give Nick so much props because it's a lot of work. It's it's like hard. It is. I, I never, I, I think I have the passion for the lifting and the traveling. Mm-hmm. And all. I love the lifestyle and everything that came with like do, doing powerlifting and traveling around and lifting. But I don't, I don't have the energy to learn how to like edit videos and do all that shit. I think it's because like we're stressed about our jobs and shit too. Like, I'm trying. I'm trying, but it's it's tough. I mean, like editing videos. Is like, do you feel like you have to have a passion for that too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I was gonna say like that's that's like it's good that you acknowledge that because that's important because video editing and cr- content creating itself, people really easily think that that's just like the side chore to get done. That's hard. But it's its own thing. I mean, that's like me saying like. I'm just on the side. I'm going to go start producing music and become a music producer. It's like, yeah. Do you play music? So many are you people into have music? Said to me like, like, hey, you should start a YouTube channel. I'm like, of what, dude? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the fuck. You got to be into it creatively. Yeah. You got to have like an eye for it, thinking about how you want to film things. Like, just you saw me like playing around with like the mic shots and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. Like, you just kind of got to be into it, though. It's like mm-hmm. it is. It's, it's a full time thing too. So if you're not into that, then that's that's fair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as someone who also works more or less on their own time. Mm. I think that a lot of people who work a nine to five job don't understand the type of effort it takes to be successful. Like there's going to be days where you're going to be up until, you know, one, two, three, four, five o'clock in the yeah. morning, making yeah, yeah. sure that something is right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you have or to get back to even. Well, no, it's, it's not even that studying and all this other stuff, but like <laughs> there's a lot of poker. stuff that goes into <laughs> it. Do you know and, he plays poker? Uh, poker professionally? No. Yeah. Oh, shit. So, Are you really? Yeah. So it's like, I That's think a lot like, of people, like, you know, they kind of misunderstand that there's going to be days or weeks of time where, you know, you can't really do anything else but that for a certain reason. Yeah. But, like, yeah, you're going to have other days where you can fuck off and go to the beach. But it's like, that's not what it is. Right, right. right. How many hours a week do you think you work? I've never clocked it. It's a lot, though. In between that and like I'll balance that and then I do day trading as well. I try oh, that's trade right. options on the stock market. So I'll do that and I'll balance both of those. But it's, I mean, it's, I'm at the computer 24 seven. I'll wake up and do um, trading until the earliest would be like 11. If I get everything done early, sometimes I'll go a little bit later, hit the gym in the after, like noon time ish, come home and then uh, eat and then get to all like the video editing stuff. And that can take, it depends what you have on your plate, what your project is. You can have a video that takes you all night. You're editing until like, eight o'clock or whatever eat again and yeah like a half an hour video that, that could take you a full day to pay yeah it depends how intricate the editing is you know then if you get like sure orders or whatever you gotta make sure you process package those get those out at a decent time because amazon primes made it so everyone expects it right away so mm-hmm. I, lo- I like it though i like i like staying busy and that's why i've never tracked it because i don't feel like i kind of like i get a nice little rhythm going throughout the day and i just kind of tackle it all as it comes each day mm-hmm. i really always wanted to ask these questions and these might seem like weird questions but i've always wanted to ask someone like you these questions like do you like doing what you do now like you're you're making money but like 
you know, you started making money, you look good, you're young, you, you got all this stuff going mm -hmm. on, you're into fitness. Like, do you have retirement plans? Like, do you have health insurance? Do you have a 401k? Like, what do you do when you work for yourself in a, as a, like a fitness yeah. so, personality? So, yeah, your fair question, because um, most of us are constantly stressed and afraid of what the hell, what the hell, what comes next? It's not delusional. We know you can't do this forever. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that I've been able to make my channel last for a decade is longer than usual. And um, so, yeah, so as far as retirement goes, yeah, investing. I have Roth IRAs, IRAs, retirement plans. They have all that stuff as far as investment goes. That's set in stone. The other thing you try to do is you try to get businesses going. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of my friends have done that successfully. Big businesses that are, they're good. In like, are you boys at Max Tuning? Yes. Yep. I got his channel started. I started him on YouTube. Yeah. I feel like yeah. you guys had like a fake beef that was funny or something online. We might have. We, yeah. we, we'll ball bust each other <laughs> back and forth all the time. But I remember watching his videos back in the day because I just was like, oh, I don't know how to count macros. Mm -hmm. And like, this guy's pretty entertaining. I'm yeah. Like, oh, he's yeah. weak as shit, but like, I'll cut him a break. And like, <laughs> I just ordered some sour strips yesterday. That shit's bomb. Yeah. And he's yeah. killed that. That made seven figures its first like six yeah. months of revenue, of course. Mm -hmm. So like these guys will get bit, th these businesses are good, and then he's obviously investing for his future. So future investment wise and business wise, that's what you do. And then for me, obviously, uh, I was obsessed with the stock market, so learning that skill of trading is something I always have to. Mm -hmm. um, as far as like the small details, like health insurance, I do not have health insurance. So if I die, I die. <laughs> like if something happens, I'm going <laughs> to well, die. We die. We die. <laughs> if, if something happens to me, um, I'm either going to die or get better. But it's like yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, not going gotcha. in. Yeah, so don't yeah, so don't get a demon. I've always been too, curious too often because yeah. that probably cost you a bit. Yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. curious because I see in powerlifting, and I've been because these, there's these like these dumb fucking kids who are like, oh, I can make fifty grand a year coaching. I'm like, yeah, it's a business. You have zero expenses mm -hmm. at all, other than your fucking laptop, and you could maybe make fifty k a year. And someone comes to me like, oh, why don't you coach full time? Like, quit your job. I'm like, okay, no, but I'm like, even if I coached two hundred people. For me to make my salary, plus all the benefits, my mm -hmm. retirement plan, my health insurance, mm -hmm. like all in, all that, I'd have to coach so many fucking people. I don't even think I want to do that. Right. Yeah. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. But I think there's a lot of kids out there who are like, oh, I can be, a, I'm like, how long can you be a powerlifting coach? And you're not factoring in all the other things you need. And it's like more full time than, that's, this is why I haven't jumped into coaching yet. Cause I'm not sure if I want to step into this, but it's like. It's tough to scale. I mean, you've helped people out. Some yeah. people are easy to help out. Some people are like asking you dumb questions, dumb questions, dumb questions. Question. I tell people, I'm you're not paying me to be your friend. I cannot res respond to your text on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm probably in a conference call. Mm. Like, you know, we'll talk once a week, probably on the weekends. I'll make sure you're fucking firing all cylinders. But there's people who can't get around that. They want to be able to talk to you all the time. Right. Like, I'm sorry. It's not going to work out. And, and some of it's like, because I'll help people. Like I said, I've been doing it for free and stuff like that. If someone buys one of my programs, then I'll always help them out on DMs and I'll answer the questions. I'll give them entry help too, mm -hmm. just because they invested into me, so I'll invest back into them. But it's crazy, man. It's like some people, some people, they just, they, they get it and they fly and it's easy. Some people, it's like they'll ask basic questions and you're like, okay, they're newer to strength training, answer it. But they just keep hitting you with these questions after questions. Mm -hmm. Like random dumb stuff. I'm because like, where I, does this I want, come from? I, like, as a coach, I want people to learn how to be a good power lifter, not in the sense of just being a good performer, but... You know, I don't hide things on my programs. You can see the plans. Mm -hmm. I send four weeks at a time. I don't do week to week because I want people to see this is what we're, this is how we're going into this eight week training. It's like, it's right. me. You can see what the intent is of this program. Um, if you're asking the right question, that's fine. But I was like, I should coach you for a year, maybe two, and then you should say fuck off because you probably should learn how to do this for yourself. Yeah. Just, mm -hmm. You yeah. know, like, but there's some people who just don't get it. Yeah. They just those ask dumb, like, 
should I add this exercise? It's some way out of left field, random ass exercise <laughs> that we've never even discussed. It's like, no, you shouldn't add that in. I didn't write that in. Like, well, I saw this yeah. video on it and it's good for this. I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, no, you're good. Don't. But it's like, <laughs> come on. Mid block, should I switch to five days a week? Or should... Yeah. I'm like, no. <laughs> or months. people overshooting. I'm, help, I'm helping someone out on uh, <clears throat> deadlifts and stuff like that. And they're trying to hit a big milestone. I don't give numbers out. I'm not trying to like embarrass anybody, but they're, they're really close to hitting this one big milestone on the deadlift. And then they asked me if at this meet coming up in three months, they should open with, and they named like a hundred pounds over to what they've even hit. And I'm like, you should probably hit like this number before you even, yeah. like those just jump the gun. Coach yeah. is crazy, but I just don't, it's hard to scale full time. I see like, I mean, I, Johnny's probably, he's got YouTube and mm. coaching, but then there's like Aaron Kamisi. I know he's like says, he says openly he doesn't make a lot of money, like this and that. Like, Is it tough, it's tough. to make money? Yeah. Unless you like unless you have ways to scale it, if you have a huge following and you do like subscription type stuff or like group stuff where it's like very cheap. Like we talked yeah. to Meg Squats and she's got a program that like she doesn't really offer the direct coaching, but like it's a support, it's like a Facebook group with hundreds yeah. of females that, that, that are on that. There are ways to yeah. scale like that that can make a lot of money. Yeah. My thing is I don't really like that. I'm not, I don't knock it. Do yeah. what you want to do. But for me, it's like I take the performance part seriously. So yeah. like I want to, if I'm going to help you, I want to build you up. Yeah. Like I want the respect all across the That's board. That's what me and Alex talked yeah, about. I was exactly. like, I want to help people get ready for a quick yeah. power. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah. I can't do that with yeah. like a Yeah, for some, someone, like, right, right. someone like one of you guys, like it's not really like the, it's not really like part of your brand. Like for them, it's like, getting a bar into every female's, female's hands, hands. you know, a beginners like learning to tr strength train. Like that's really, you know, Meg Squats has us when we're reciting her mission statement. Yeah, no, I, I would recommend <laughs> it. Like, I, like, like I have coworkers that are like starting to get into like lifting weights. I'm like, that would actually be a good thing for you. Yeah, for eight, sure. $8 a month and you have like a group and like, that's awesome. But like for someone that's like very like into equipped powerlifting, you can't really do that. And for someone like you, if you're about like the performance and mm -hmm. you want to like get, good athletes like peaked for meets like right, it's, right. It's, you can't you can't do that like from a template you have to you have to give them a lot of attention it's, it's true to scale just talking about like some sometimes people ain't asking you questions in left field you know when you're coaching is like i feel like the types of people who hire a coach are the types of people who need a coach to tell them don't fucking do that that's stupid yeah <laughs> you know yeah what i mean that's fair to so say it's for like, a lot of people at least yeah so it's like you know i've never had like a paid coach or anything but like you know i'm not also going to max out two days before the meet i'm going to do yeah i was huge mean? on that too. so i coached myself for like seven years and i went to x amount of worlds and i i did world games and i was like i got really far coaching myself like these programs are badass i started coaching people and at some point i was like i'm at this really high level and i'm like exhausted all the experiments i can do on myself and that's when i finally decided to hire a coach and i didn't want to talk to my coach all the time I just mm. wanted a quality plan. Right, right, yeah. You know, because I just needed some guidance because I've been doing it for so long. I didn't want to get into the trap of, like, doing the same thing or mm -hmm. going back to my old programs and, and shit like that. So that's when I decided. But I'm like, Peach, like, I don't I don't want to coach for so long. Yeah, that's definitely true. Like, yeah. I figured out how to power lift just fucking around and watching Mark Bell videos. There's so much content. Yeah, yeah. Not hating on anybody that would hire me or you as a coach. I think it's great. But um, I mean, I, I, it's so easy to get into it and just figure it out. I get a lot of results when I do have a coach because I'm the type of moron that will just like yeah. go really heavy all the time. And like I started writing down my my programming and like I can look back a few weeks and like be like, OK, well, maybe I shouldn't 
go super crazy on squat today or maybe I shouldn't do that. And so like that's helped me a lot to not to self-coach myself. But like in the past, like when when you've coached me, I've actually had like really good results and sometimes it helps just to like not think about it or like we get you in check for like you second you second guess yourself a lot like if you're coaching and and like yeah certain friends Nick that will just hit me up when they're eight weeks out of me because they know they'll get something responsible yeah (laughs) well I mean I'm looking I look at I look at this fucking shit that you have written up there and it was giving me a headache earlier this earlier today when we were training I was like what the hell did you do that is some dope handwriting you know what I mean and I'm like he knows he only he can read it yeah it's like I'm like a mathematician I think you can I think you can get a coach and get a lot from a coach too and have a mind where you want to learn yourself and that can be good too. Like I did that with Brett. I, I went under Brett Gibbs for coaching, and he's amazing because he has. I remember that. Good eye for detail, yeah, and he mm-hmm. helped me so much. But at the same time, like I wasn't just taking what he did blindly and doing it. I was like trying to learn why he was doing it, like mm-hmm. see what all made sense, and then on my own time, also learn programming. And then, like, so you learn about that. Go to YouTube, learn about programming and technique, yeah. and then you can see, oh yeah, Brett's implementing this. I just learned about that, and then. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about it because we were talking about this earlier. Shit, I used to do was fire up some old training VHS. Oh, yeah. Brad Dillingham's (laughs) training VHS or Ryan Keneally wrote... I was just binge-watching all the Ryan Keneally videos recently. (laughs) So you can learn so much from those old VHSs. Dude, speaking of, I have never done equip lifting in my life. I have no interest to, but I have been hooked on watching equip lifting bench footage recently. Like, all of Scott Mendelson's updates. He's a character nowadays. But, like, I was watching, like, Ryan's old videos leading up to Arnold. Bench Kings, that whole, like, old VHS. Bench America. Yeah. meats dude. that's it's it's definitely entertaining man i was talking to uh peach over here and he was because i i knew just from being friends with equip lifters that it's a skill and i know it can it's harder than raw lifting in its own way as far as mastering that but he was filling me in on like a lot of the details that go into it and like how intricate equip lifting can be it's crazy man yeah it is i'm so glad you're like a fan of the old school fucking ryan keneally yeah because those are insane you see dude benching 600 for three right Fucking four hundred five for twenty shit like that. Yeah, what the fuck. And then uh, I even I even watched um, uh, oh my god, we just said his name five seconds ago. Uh, the one who just passed away who ran our Gene. I just watched his big bench video that he yeah. did way back in the day. He had the mohawk and everything. Yeah, and then he worked up to like, like bleached. Yeah, yeah. He had he had an old VHS video. It's on YouTube now, and like at the end, Scott Mendelson makes a cameo in it and stuff. Well, you've seen the Power Unlimited, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. that's yep. a great thing. But, like, we were talking about the other day, like, just watching Brad Gillingham's fucking training DVD and how much I learned in that and doing that shit to myself. Yeah. That's so strong. It was great. I pulled my first 700 after I did that crazy program. But, so we're going to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to do that. My dad needs a little work. Yeah. And, like, we were crazy. Like, we've told the story in the pod before, but, like, Luis, when we were in college, just called Westside Barbell and had a conversation with Louis Simmons about training. And he, like, helped us write a program for Equip Lifting. Yeah, I've heard stories like that where people yeah. just call him and just helps right over the phone. That's yeah. cool. That's really cool. But, like, yeah, we didn't hire a coach. That's the shit yeah. we did. Yeah. But, like, so, like, I guess getting back to you, like, how long do you see yourself competing in powerlifting? Like, is it just something you're passionate about you're going to do for a long time? I'm or? very passionate about um, training and getting my numbers up, for sure. So as far as, like, as far as competing goes, I don't know. We'll take that as it comes. I might just get bored with the platform. I did in 2018. I kind of got bored with the platform for a little bit, so I switched gears and did the bodybuilding thing. Now I'm kind of getting excited for it again. If I get to a point where I'm kind of I'm all set with you know peaking and getting on the platform, getting the singlet on, then I might call it quits then. But as far as continuing to hit at least PRs in the gym and still training for power and stuff like that, training as if I was going to compete, that I don't think I'll ever get bored with. So I'm pretty much just going to go until my body tells me I can't. Yeah. 
I mean, I feel like you're in a good place because you you're like in you're like the size and like style of powerlifter that like you can have a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, and like do yeah. For a long time, where like I have a shelf life on competing in powerlifting. Like if I want to stay healthy long term, but especially the weight you guys moving to quit. That's just great. It's not that. It's the eating. Oh, no, just, yeah, just, so just the size in general. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, it could, you know, the hips and knees might go. Any well, second. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you've been pretty lucky joint-wise. I mean, like, I think you're just, like, a strong person. Like, you're just a strong motherfucker. You are born like that. There's some people that are like that. Yeah. Me, myself, I'm kind of, like, you know, half Asian, like, a little frail. <laughs> <laughs> Jewish ankles, you know? <laughs> like, uh, but, Korean like... Jew. Yeah, so, like, and, like, Luis, like, Luis is, like, it, genetically, like, I know his dad has joint issues, and he's done equipped powerlifting, and it has the strongest mind out of anybody will try anything, the biggest balls, you know, put whatever on the bar and try to bench it, and he's dealing with a lot of joint issues now, mm -hmm. so, like, I mean, like, I'd like to hear, like, is equipped lifting better, like, longevity-wise than raw? I don't know, like, I, I want to say yes, because if you look at the, like, the lifters with the best longevity in the USAPL. And it's like all these new kids, these snot-nosed kids, not like not like Nick, but like the kids we're talking about who we don't even really like, they don't even know this about their, you know, so-called heroes. But, you know, like Tony Harris, mm -hmm. equipped lifter. Dave Ricks, equipped lifter. Even Brett Gibbs was. He had Brett Gibbs, multiple yeah. world records in equipped lifting. Yeah. yeah. But at he the same time. Record. But Jen Thompson, I'm saying these people... They've extended their training lives because probably the first 20 years of their powerlifting careers are equipped lifters. Mm, yes. You know? But those people are like very, very rare people. Those people are kind of well, like... not that rare. Brad but, Gillingham, Steve Mann, but Randall Harris. I'm, I'm curious like how many people did equipped lifting for like a couple of years, destroyed themselves, and never powerlifted again. I think they did equipped lifting, well. never got good, and never powerful again, but I don't think they destroyed themselves. I'm not talking about Lauren think, Cohen or yeah. Pete Sanicandro or something. Some guys that show up to the gym, thought Some they of that squat 900, and then they left because they left with their fucking jocks in their hands. Some of the, the um, equip, older equipped guys that destroyed themselves, too, you got to ask, like, it, was it the weight they're moving or was it their style of training? Because, like, a lot of those West Side guys didn't have the most, like, definitely wasn't safe training. I mean, they just, like, no. go balls to the wall more than they probably had to in certain circumstances. Yeah. Some um, of those you know, guys, of those who guys seem are like, still going. Yeah, some yeah. of the guys who seem like they fizzled just quit. Like, A.J. Roberts did what he wanted to he do and just quit. Like, um, you know, but, but like, Dave like, Hoff is still doing Look at Dave. Look at Greg Yeah, right, 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 right. Look at, right. you know, Mark Bell still lifting. Like, Louie, like, broke his back doing, like, good mornings, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was, like, like torn and everything. Yeah. But he was saying that, like, he did a lot of this stuff before he started, you know, with his new and improved kind mm -hmm. of version of training. And, like, if you look at a guy like Matt Wenning, he's still killing it. Yeah, Dave Hoff has great longevity. Yeah. He's just killed that 3,100 total. I mean, he's been lifting forever. Mm -hmm. I just think of the extra load on your joints and, like, the grinding. Like, I, when you wrap I, I try to explain to people, and, like, like Nick, Nick won't understand this at all, but when you're dialed in, Equip like I could take a thousand pound squat and it feels like I didn't have to do anything. That's what he was just explaining to yeah. me. When you're dialed in, yeah. equip lifting is a fucking ball breaker over the long term. But when you get to the competition, if things click and you've done everything right, it some of the lifts do feel effortless, like an opening squat mm. or an opening bench. If mm -hmm. it's really more of technique and if you can hit 
your bar path is 100% spot on. He was saying that there's less. Yeah. You it feel feels... like, I remember I took a third attempt squat at a meet once and it was a PR. And uh, I remember I felt my hamstrings like fire. And I was like, oh, that was weird. Because the first <laughs> two attempts, then I didn't have to train. That's wild. You know? Yeah. How, how exhausted do you feel physically after um, a meet like that? It's exhausting. I think a lot of it is your blood pressure is super high when you're in equipment. You know, on top of blood pressure going from lifting weights, and you also like have extra weight, and then you also have tight polyester suit. Yeah. You know, the adrenaline's crazy. Of you course. know, and, and that's something I want, like about body. Like I thought bodybuilding, like you guys were like, it's not a sport because there's no like adrenaline no, factor. There's you're no right. like playmaker. There's no thing. moment of having to act, execute. Something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like in powerlifting, there. Oh yeah, it's crazy adrenaline, dude. Yeah. I, the first time I squatted 600, um, which was three times my body weight. So I, I was happy with it. But um, I had so much adrenaline going that like, I didn't remember the squat. I remember unracking it. And I remember like standing back up, like re-racking it. But I didn't yeah. remember doing the actual reps because of the adrenaline aspect of it. Yeah. But like when that shit wears off at the oh, end yeah. of a, a big equipped meet, yeah. you just, you know, if I squatted a thousand, I benched 750 and I pulled eight. I feel like fucking shit. Do your muscles <laughs> feel as fried as they would if you did a lot raw? Because then you're lifting more weight and you're still lifting it, but you also have like the suit activated. I mean, I did a raw meet and then my numbers were nowhere close. You know, a high six squat, a uh, high four bench, and I pulled 750. And I just thought it was an easy day. Because okay. I feel like my training is much harder sometimes when I'm preparing for like a quick yeah. Speaking of that, how um, how different is peaking for an equipped meet compared to peaking for a raw one? I think it's extremely different. I love how this is turned where Nick's asking yeah. questions. <laughs> but I think... The, what I've seen in uh, raw training, and I've, I've, you know, obviously to make money coaching, I've had to coach more raw lifters than right. lifters. I'd imagine. So that. I've applied it, and also I've seen it just the way like top level lifters train. I think you can go a lot heavier, more frequently, um, raw with heavy singles, doubles, mm. higher intensity over a long period of time. Where, um, you know, for me, the intensities vary every week. If I have a heavy squat in one week. I have a deadlift under 90%. Right, okay. I, I'll never do both heavy in the same week, mm -hmm. same with bench. And sometimes I'm, in, I'm I'm out of my gear some weeks, just in between to give a break in intensity. So it, in equipped, you really have to pick your spots and you have to really execute in the gym on those rare days where it's time to fucking go and hit 95% yeah. of my squat where you don't get multiple opportunities where I feel like if you're peaking for a raw meet, it's... Not that it's linear, but you could hit multiple squats over six. Definitely pounds. more linear, yeah. You know, so I think there's a lot more. You know, you really know where you're at raw, mm. and you can push it a lot harder, a lot closer to meet. Where we have our, you know, our occasions of lifting really, really heavy compared to our comp maxes are more rare. So you have to think about that performance wise and mentally, and be mentally ready for those moments. And you know, we kind of start tapering earlier right right and also i don't even like i don't even touch some of my maxes or not even close like before i squatted 1019 my heaviest gym squat might have been like 936 oh geez so you have to be mentally ready to take okay i just hit my opener now my second attempt mm. is more than i squatted in the gym oh shit i just killed that oh shit peach just put in 1019 then you have to mentally be ready to squat some shit like you haven't had on your back, yeah. right? Where I feel like the way the raw community has been training is you're probably hitting less in the meat. 
you probably cut 10, 20 pounds. You yeah, know. or in a perfect scenario, you maybe hit around your second attempt at least already. And then your third is just like a 20-pound jump from what you're used to. It's yeah, not like... yeah. so I feel like you, you like there's a lot more data in the row. Where you know yeah. where you're at, and you're hitting that more frequently. Where You can tell where you're going to you land. You really have guys, to yeah. trust on your trust your training and execution and equip and so it's like it's nerve-wracking sometimes yeah. especially in the squat right? that's Holy that's shit that's crazy um that, that's kind of something that can cause more bomb outs too is you're doing you're going through the training cycle and you're kind of expecting something and then you know your gear doesn't fit exactly right or you didn't eat right or you cut too much weight or you didn't yeah. whatever the case may be and then it's just not there. You really have to pivot or you get... Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've gone nine for nine in equip meets a couple times. I've gone eight for nine. This is really rare. A lot of equip lifters right. don't do that. And a lot of supers don't do that. So people have come like, oh my God. But then, you know, a year later, people will see me, oh shit, he bombed out. Right. Like, what happened? Nothing happened. If you don't feel on, your day is going to get fucked up. If right, I'm right. opening at 9.50 and I'm not like really feeling great, I'm going to have a fucking day and a half. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, right, like, right, and shit right. just goes bad fast and equipment. That makes sense. You get your ass kicked in squat, and you say you're at an IPF meet, you have 20 minutes to warm up, get a bench shirt on in between squat and bench. You get your ass kicked in squat, you can get your ass kicked around all day. Jeez. So, you know, there's, I'm, I've been at both ends of the I have so many great performances where it's like, oh, this kid can't fucking miss a weight. We've lifted weights. We've never, I, I've never even fucking tried before. Mm. Smoked them, makes it look easy. And there's days I can't fucking do anything on the platform. So it's a shit show. That's interesting. Like the peaking part's so intriguing to me because like that one, I can't get my head around how you would, because obviously I've only done raw. So it's like you keep things more or less kind of linear. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter exactly. You can do non-linear periodization, whatever you use. But either way, it's kind of the same basic principle, you know, increase in volume, increase intensity. Eventually you taper off. And then at some point you're implementing singles, you know, each week. Yeah, I feel like like even smart raw lifters, maybe they're hitting one heavy single week in each lift, but I see a lot of lifters hitting multiple heavy singles. Right. So it's like how do you how do you kind of pyramid up for lack of a better word, pyramid up towards that peak, but like while not being able to really touch your near max waist, you do just like higher volume or No, I mean you could keep it linear for a short period of time. Like if you start training your gear, there's acclimation period. Like I don't preach training in gear year-round, mm. right? So I want to be in gear because it's stressful. It's stressful on your body. I want to be in gear um, when when I need to for maybe an eight to 10-week training cycle. So you're taking that. So maybe the first three weeks, 80% for three triples. Okay. 85% for three doubles. You could get in your gear every week until a point. Once I start getting over 90%, and I'm like, oh, shit. I might either go back down to 85% and hit four doubles or just not be in my gear that week. Gotcha. Or squat my wraps or something like that. But once you start going over 90%, you can't keep it linear anymore. Mm. Your body just doesn't respond well. And, and I'll put a little caveat to that. If you're a male super heavyweight, that's 100% true. Mm. I've trained, you know, world record holder, it, uh, like 52 kilo female lifter. That could be a little more later. Well, they recover way better. Right. I was going to actually say, um, when you're describing like the peaking and how you can only hit, if you could hit like a heavy squat, you're not going to hit a heavy deadlift the same week and all that. Yeah. It almost sounds somewhat similar to peaking a raw super heavyweight like like a ray williams like he's not going to hit a heavy squat well that's my that's always been my like if ray williams actually trained a different way i think he'd even be way stronger than he even is because i mean before he bombed out of last year's worlds i saw a week out he hit a thousand pounds yeah yeah oh did he yeah it's not a smart idea to hit a thousand pound squat 
as a 380 pound guy and then get on like a 15 hour. Well, I've seen, yeah, I've seen a lot of big guys take their last heavy single as far as three weeks out from mm-hmm. the meet, which if you're my weight, I mean, you're hitting heavy single like a week before the meet almost, week and a half maybe. But I've seen like heavier guys, they don't recover as fast. They're using heavier weight, obviously. So. Yeah, but the thing is, I'll come back in gym maybe a week out. I'm, I'm still hitting 85%. Yeah, gear. okay. It's like 85% to me. 860 it's it's still a good Crazy. weight yeah, so like yeah, yeah. i'm not you're not like you can get rusty or forget how to lift that's oh interesting man that's that's so just like night and day different than any sort of raw programming yeah it, it is but i feel like even it, once you start getting to the biggest and baddest raw lifters like ray mm. that it could apply like right, do right i think ray should ever pull 850 two weeks in a row no no yeah that's that's what i was saying before like a lot of super heavyweight yeah, raw guys kind exactly. of follow the same principle so it really depends but i mean that's that's just the way it's always been for me but just the works. concept of like an opener weight being physically more than you could ever actually humanly like lift it's just a crazy concept yeah it's sick i mean we said this on the podcast before like okay i'm against using drugs yeah but i want to do crazy shit and it just made sense to me to wear single ply also like 15 years ago when i started getting interested in powerlifting there wasn't even a raw division the raw lifters were weirdos you made fun of them they all looked they were like it was like scooby in a singlet at the local meet and then it was like you know 20 guys in full gear that's wild how that flip is now you'll go to some meetings like you have like two guys yeah we're the weirdos yeah we're the weirdos now but uh you know so it is crazy how it's changed it literally started changing once i got into sports i feel like i've just like had a great seat to see all this shit go down but also sucks because like what i love most is be you know become like the black yeah, yeah. powerlifting. Do you but, think the shift is because um, it's I think just it's the barrier. Minimal? It's the barrier to entry. Yeah, you know, there's these kids that have no business being in a competitive sport, and all of a sudden they find a place, and there's like there's other people like them, and mm. um, it's easy to get in. And you know, some of the things I see, there's a kid, you know, there's kids that maybe they squat 350 at 181 or 400 pounds, and their Instagram is, you know, you know, Joe powerlifting. Yeah, right? and I'm like. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm Big Joe Cap. Like, I'm Big Joe Cap, whether I'm a powerlifter or not, right? Like, yeah. have a life that's not defined yeah, by powerlifting, yeah, especially yeah. if you're a shit-ass powerlifter, mm. okay? So I feel like The Raw got popular because it is more relatable. You know, 15 years ago when powerlifting was only equipped, there were still millions of guys who were trying to bench more in the gym, right? Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, so, and Mark Bell's like, how much you bench? Like, when yeah, yeah, someone you asks you how much you bench, like, you have to, like, explain. You're like, well, I bench, you know, 600 pounds. Oh, 600 pounds. Well, it's, like, in a bench shirt. You know, has has like, that ever crossed your mind ever? Is that I always tell people, I tell people my raw numbers if, they, if someone on the street asks me. Okay, okay. Number, and I tell them I'm a 500 pound Because for me. So, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. I'm so, not looking for some guy in the street to be course, impressed with my course, list. Yeah. It's just more relatable. Yeah. The draw, the draw for me, because I think, I think Quip, like I said, I'm watching a lot of Quip, and like I think it's fucking cool. And like I'm, I'm interested, obviously, in asking this question. I think it's fucking cool. But for me personally, my own personal draw is like I'm just obsessed with how much I can like humanly lift. Period. And I, I understand and respect like the gear is a much harder skill to get down. I understand I can put on a bench shirt right now and mm-hmm. fuck up and not lift even my raw max with yep. it. I appreciate that. But for me, it's like my whole draw to raw is just simply that like strength is dope and I just want to be as humanly strong as I can period just and then you could bring the argument of well you get the belt and the sleeves and that's a fair argument but yeah. um, that's what always was the draw <laughs> to me so I, I, I feel like that could also be a thing for a lot of people on the relatability side it's like mm-hmm. most sports you know you don't have giant forklifts around you helping yeah. you mm-hmm. yeah you don't need you don't need like a three man four man spot yeah I, I think people to help whether it's yeah. fortunate or unfortunate me and I actually was having a conversation with a guy Matt Cronin oh yesterday. yeah yeah and he was asking me, hey, do you think I should implement 
equip, equip training infrequently to overload? And I said, no, absolutely not. I said, equip training ruins your raw lifts because it changes the strength curve. It, 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 but it makes you weaker in, in the bottom end of the eccentric lift. So super squat taxing. and bench, and it's super taxing on the top end. And when you try to lift raw after that, things feel off. Your right. stroke feels off. Um, and so basically we had this conversation on what I feel like after a long uh, equip cycle raw, and I feel like my numbers go down 100 pounds. Like even when I used to bench over five raw, mm -hmm. I would do a long meet, and then maybe I bench 440 when I get back, and I'm like, shit, I lost everything. So it's always been up and down, up and down. I'm the kind of person I'm competing every three to six months. Yeah, yeah. So, and now I've been doing it for 13 years straight, and he's like, if he's like, if you took time off equip lifting, do you think you would have been a better raw lifter? I was like, 100%. If I didn't put on gear for two years and just mm -hmm. trained raw, I would be a fucking great raw lifter, but I never wanted to do that. And I think what, whether it's unfortunate or fortunate to me, when I got in the power thing, there were certain people I looked up to. They were single ply equipped lifters. They were natural. And I was like, that's fucking badass. Mm -hmm. And then I, and this is happening now in raw where people are getting into equipment and they're like, wow, this feels fucking crazy. Yeah, the adrenaline yeah. rush is yeah. so crazy. There's no way. And I'm like, I've tried competing raw. It felt different to me. Yeah, it didn't sure. make my dick hard per se. <laughs> like equipped lifting mm -hmm. makes me go crazy. And like, I don't really care what's pop or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just love the feeling of lifting and equipment. It's crazy. I can um, see that now. The more I've watched it, it looks really cool. Yeah. Um, for me, I think my ego was always holding back, which is, it's all perception thing anyway, but like, I just feel like it would kill me to be able to say a certain number, but then be like, yeah, but I can't do that normally. Well, like what about like knee wraps? Like, same, same sort of thing. I think they can add weight. If you yeah. get good knee wraps, you know how to wrap them. Like if, if you have if, shit knee wraps, you know how to wrap them. You're not going to get anything. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Like if you squat, like I'll ball, but I, I have a friend 50 in knee wraps. And then someone asks you like, what's your best squat? And you'd be like, I uh, squatted 650 in knee wraps, or would you be like 650. 600? <laughs> yeah, man, that's a good point. Yeah, I probably would just say 650. It feels like less of a lie in my head because it's just your knee. It's just knee wraps. Just and then knee. you get the suit in the knees. I'm like, yeah, can't even come close without that. I was wearing a belt and knee wraps, you know, 650. Yeah, I mean, my, my whole thing, I mean, this is just like spitball anyway, but my whole thing was like. Because you have the, the belt debate, too, you know, and this, even the sleeves yeah, and neoprene. Sleeves. I think SBD's knee sleeves give you, like, good knee See, sleeves now give you a little bit. Maybe, maybe, maybe oh, they do. I the kinda, knee bands, like, didn't, but now. I kind of don't feel like they do. Maybe they do, though. I mean, it is it is material behind the knee joint, so it makes sense. But, um, but my thing is, like, the way I look at it is, if you put me, like, naked, could I still hit 602? Possibly, it's possible. But whatever number you hit, if you're a good equip lifter, if you try doing that naked, there's no possibility. Oh, no way. That's like the comparison yeah. for me. No, I, I, mean, I get deadlift my equip max raw. Yeah, 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 yeah. Deadlifts. <laughs> Dead, dude, it's funny. It's crazy watching like the uh, equip meets because you have these inhuman squats and benches and then like all the deadlifts are so Normal as deadlifts. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one thing about equip lifting, I will say, is like in, in you being a bodybuilder and a fan of powerlifting, I feel like the aesthetic factor for me is like when you see a dialed up equipped lifter. Oh, like, yeah. If you watch mm -hmm. Carl Yingbar Christensen, like just a full meat performance, I think it's the most beautiful They're thing so I've ever clean. seen. Yeah. You know, but then on the flip side, you can go to a local meet and see some really bad equipped lifting, and I think it turns people off. Yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, but I just think there's something amazing about watching like a primed equipped lifter execute. 
because you know, you know, if you if you know how difficult it is, mm -hmm. and it looks like someone does something effortless with a thousand pounds in their back, I think it's so cool. Definitely, it you is. Know. It is really cool to watch. Yeah. I've grown a huge respect for. It. I used to be. I was. I was like naive to it, so I used to be like, "Quit lifting, stupid! Why don't we do?" Yeah, that? everybody talks shit. Back in the day. Back, yeah, back in the day, <laughs> we and deserve I, it. The shit we gave to the raw kids like ten years ago was bad. Dude, it's so funny to see the cycles. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, it was it's karma. It's karma. <laughs> so many the younger raw guys have a chip on their shoulder. Like, I mean, sorry. The younger equipped guys seem to have a chip on their shoulder. I get so much bullshit from like the younger equipped guys on Instagram that have like that old school fall in line mentality, but they're like 25. Yeah. yeah. The older guys who are equipped are all dope. Like I, Kevin Rossi from Enac, mm -hmm. he was super chill. He yeah. was just like, dude, you should throw on a suit, see what you can do. Yeah. Uh, it, it comes back down to the barrier to entry thing. And, I, and there was a great co quote from an Australian equipped lifter. It's like, you know, 20 years ago when you went to the gym and you wanted to powerlift with the powerlifting crew, you had to put on gear. And it, that shit quickly will tell everybody if you're an asshole or not, right? <laughs> and it's basically like an asshole detector. And now there is no asshole, asshole detector. Mm. It's just anybody who wants to get in the lifting can sign up and do a meet and, and get in the lifting. And it's good and it's bad. It's good for revenue. It's good for views. It's good for popularity. But, you know, you know when you go into one of those gyms where it's all raw lifters and they're all, all in their own rack and they all have their own camera and they're training their yeah, singlets yeah, yeah, and it's just yeah. a random training day and the attitude and it's just... There's no community left. I mean, we talked to Carl Yuvar Christensen. He thinks it's so bad that like lifting clubs are going away because mm. everybody can train by themselves. And a yeah. lot of people want to train isolated by themselves where we all, you know, in normal times, we train with a group of 10 equipment right. lifters at Bay State. We have a lifting club and it's just a great part of it. It's such a fulfilling thing to, to lift with a club. And so he's retired because of injuries, but he still lifts and trains and coaches and helps at his lifting club. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and that's going away. Yeah, Enoch used to do that too, remember? Yeah, absolutely. Kevin would have like a night crew and the morning crew. and so It's going less and less from that it's and more in yeah. just individual how much, you know, how many was. views can I get. It was. I think stuff. we're starting to see more of the raw community come together though with some lifting clubs that are starting to come up. And like we've talked about this, like I think that was and like now it's beginning to change. Yeah. What, are, what are some lifting clubs? I'm not even aware of uh, Eric, Eric LaPointe, congrats oh, to him. Yeah. Shout yeah. out mm -hmm. for his, uh, you know, unofficial world record, record deadlift. deadlift. Um, but, like, he has Odyssey Barbell Club, and there's a lot of raw lifters there that he coaches, and they have a community. There's Mass Barbell. That's a new gym that they have, like, raw and equipped. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I think they're trying to build a community. Elevate Barbell. Elevate Barbell. Like, there's there's clubs starting they're to crop, crop up, and they do run meets, and they support meets, you know. So, like, I think it's just taking time for that to happen, but it was worse in the past, and those people have probably been starting to be weeded out. Yeah, I think so. Now it's like, plus with like new raw lifters, a lot of them just don't have access to badass powerlifting gyms. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you don't have like a monolift, you can't squat in a group. Like it, all four of us, we tried squatting without a monolift. What are you talking about? We got an ER rack right here, buddy. Yeah, just a, lot of, a lot of gyms don't even have that. I mean, yeah, like, there's I like, know, they really have like just like the typical <laughs> yeah, just a power squat rack. rack. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, ER racks. We, are dope, we may but. do in the past, but yeah, it's tough when if, if me and Joe are trying to squat in the same power rack. See, I think, I think, you know. I'm a world-class lifter, and me and Alex are stuck in a power rack. I'll be like, let's squat out of your height. Right? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I don't give, but there's a lot of people I don't think would do that and, like, sacrifice 1% of their training session or inconvenience themselves so they can train with their friend. How many times mm -hmm. have you been like, all right, Peach, I'll just bench out of your rack height. No big deal. You can't adjust the, the bench. Okay, just give mm -hmm. me a hand off. Like, that doesn't happen a lot. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're very selfless and powerful. Like, uh, you know, I've uh, – just, like, being a quick lifter, like – I was training for the biggest meet of my life, 
three years ago, but we also had a ton of people getting ready for equipped nationals. And I was skipping equipped nationals to do world games. I probably wrapped 20 knees a night. Damn. I was getting ready for the biggest meet of my life. I didn't give a shit. I thought it was great. I was like, I'm going to be in great shape when I get to this fucking meet. Because I'm wrapping knees all night. You do see that. That You have a good point there. Because like uh, Eric Lillybridge is an example of someone who's raw with wraps. But he has that kind of mentality from training with his family all his life. So yeah. when I went and filmed with him... Um, He'd have all these other people in his gym, his little crew, you know, his crew that would help him out with the model stuff, but they'd be doing their own workouts. Some of them would be people who's training. In between sets leading up to a 1,045-pound squat, most people would be like adrenaline, huffing and puffing. He would be off spotting someone, wrapping someone up. Mm-hmm. Very, exactly like yeah. you just described. But I think probably came from training with that family and like having that group yeah. mentality. Yeah. I, I just I just hope that is coming. Like Alex is coming back. I hope yeah. that is coming back. Be interesting yeah, to see. I, I think so. I, I hope so. And, you know, like, People get closer through the sport and they realize that it is kind of somewhat of a team sport. And it's, I guess that's like the benefit of equipped lifting that it really has to be a team sport. Whereas yeah. raw, like it doesn't have it to doesn't be. It doesn't have to be. Mm. But, but it could be. But people are like, definitely equipped. Scott Mendelson with his whole pit crew and all his videos. See, now. he's just a guy that he probably just rotates 10 guys in and out. Yeah. He, he just used people up. Do you think, I don't know if you followed any of his recent videos, but do you think he uh, can pull off a thousand pound no. bench for this show? Then? Absolutely not. It, it doesn't seem like it. We didn't get into a tiny meeker, but what I'll just go down the list right now. Okay. Ryan Keneally yep. is going to fucking look awesome. Okay? okay. And I think he's going to wear like one of those. The Viper. They make now shirts out of like that material instead it's of. It's like a mega slingshot. I've seen it. It kind of almost looks like a slingshot sewn into a shirt. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But now they'll make it like 30 layers or some shit. Damn. So actually the biggest bench ever is a guy who wore um, something that's called a super bison. It's a, it's a bench daddy sewn into a shirt. <laughs> So I think Ryan Keneally is going to wear something. In I'm excited. Style, to see it seems like Ryan so. I think Ryan's going to kill it. Yeah. I think Tiny Meeker is going to kill it. I think Jimmy Cobb's going to kill it. But I think Tiny I, is lifting. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. Tiny's. It's yeah, Tiny's I knew he was event. hosting. Oh, I didn't yeah, know if yeah. he was ho- just hosting yeah. or if he was lifting too. Yeah, but I think Mendelssohn is going to eat shit. Mm. Um, I don't know who else was on there. Uh, Dave Hoff. Dave Hoff's going to. Dave Hoff's going to kill it. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about Blaine, but like you're you're DMing Blaine. It doesn't sound like Blaine. I don't know if Blaine's going to do it, man. I don't know. Like he that. said he doesn't know. He also has a bench with his feet down or squat or deadlifted. Mm. Yeah. It would yeah. be cool to see Blaine. This could be my time. This could be my time, man. That's like, that's why. We I love know. Blaine, but this could be my year. You think yeah. You think Blaine's <laughs> finished? Or you think he's just... I'm going to say no. I think that kid is hard-headed as fuck. He's going to keep going. He's going to keep going until the wheels fall off. But maybe the wheels did fall off. I don't but know. Maybe, maybe he's just using this as an opportunity to try to get better. Yeah. You know, he's been benching with his feet up. Because, well, he said it because his back hurts so much. Yeah. You think he's going to be able to squat 1,000 with that back? I think he can squat 1,000 whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> Even her. Same. That's nothing to him. Nothing Same. to him. I think the biggest thing for, for Blaine is going to be deadlifting. If his back really hurts that much, I don't know what he's going to realistically be able to do. Yeah. yeah, I think Mendelssohn's get up. I don't know. So, Mendelssohn's um, best equipped is claimed to be 1,031. I can't find footage on that anywhere. <laughs> Who the fuck knows, dude? I th- <sighs> it's probably because it was a shit-ass bench. Dude, because, like, I, I, I enjoy watching Scott's videos on his channel because he's, he's, he's a character. character man. But, um... Man, the equipped like, equip bench guys are like all crazy. And and I wish him the best. I hope he uh, fucking kills it. But like just watching his stuff, it seems like it's a constant uphill battle. Which I mean, like he's been retired and he's older. It makes sense. Like he's been through car accidents. But mm-hmm. like, just seems like uh, that thousand pound bench might be out. Of See, reach. with this one, 
it says 1036 bench, but we watched it. Yeah. Day. He just misses it. Yeah, yeah. No, I saw that one. Yeah. I can't find the 1031 at all. <laughs> Holy shit. So how did he get um, that much? Because he had that 715 raw bench and then like the 1030 equipped bench. That's like more than you usually get out of a bench year, isn't it? Um, no. Not, no. no. That's he probably could have got that more. much carryover. Yeah. yeah, for a multi-ply shirt. Oh, okay. Like, so just put in perspective, like Blaine benches probably 585 raw, but mm -hmm. then he benched 1,003. Oh, shit. Single ply. Oh, okay, And then okay. we're talking about Mendelssohn and Hoff and Tiny Meeker, these guys that wear multi-ply shirts. They should be able to get a solid 50 to 50 more pounds. I think Blaine's an anomaly, but... Yeah. There's I think people can get 400 pounds. There's a lot of oh, wow. there's a lot of factors that go into like how much. I mean, I get, get two. Out. I've got two, 270, 280 out of a shirt. Damn, you know? fatter guys get more too because yeah. you get like more stretch. It like compresses mm -hmm. their body. I've, that makes I've sense. gotten I've gotten about actually similar amount of carryover. I think I got about 240, 250. That's pretty much cool. Yeah. Yeah, if you're kind of fluffy, you get a lot of carryover. You get, at that level of bench, you gotta like worry about little things like um, the pad, like. Hundred percent. That's crazy. I bombed out of a meet because I, you know I went back and watched the video. I wasn't centered on all three of my benches. Like something must have been off, and Jesus. I just was like too far to one side, and you know I just wasn't centered. What do you do? You feel like all in your bones and stuff at that weight? You do, yeah. yeah. Um, I was, we were talking about this. Like after a quick meet, like weird things hurt. Like you yeah. wouldn't think. Like it's not like your pecs are sore from bench, right. but, like your forearms and biceps hurt. That, that weight is still on your joints. Yeah, like when you're walking out, your wrists hurt. Pounds, your hands are swollen. Yeah. Like, yeah. You might yeah. stroke it. Like like if you hit a home run, like with a baseball bat, you feel a sweet spot when you hit the ball. It feels like you just swing it through nothing. It's like the same with a squat where you can stroke it and like it doesn't feel that hard, but like the load is still on the yeah. joints. Like, yeah. You've got a thousand pounds on your like. That's wild. Femur like hands on your hips. hips you know? Yeah, but like, your ankle, like Alex, on your wrists. On but your like elbows. Alex, think of it this way, right? Is like you're you have a contraption around your body that's gonna be there. Like if you're lifting raw and you lift, even if it's like a smaller percentage, like what happens if you just shift a little? And now you tore something or yeah, yeah. Your I think or the like soft whatever. soft tissue injuries probably like you're more at risk with, yeah. with raw but like if you think about your knee joint and you have like a thousand pounds on it right yeah and you're fully locked, and you're like fully locked and you're locking it yeah. out you know like it's yeah you're, that's why you're putting I'll preface, more load on I'll your preface joints, this also Nick like about bones. you asked how I feel after a meet you know you're high in adrenaline you're done with the meet and I can't remember the last meet I didn't get fucking pissed drunk after so <laughs> you wake up in the morning and you feel like fucking shit like me and Alex probably drank 20 beers and smoked half a pack of cigs and like <laughs> went to bed. I'm like, I'm dehydrated. I'm hungover. I did a meet yesterday. I don't know what, why things hurt, but everything hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Every equipped meet that I've done, and I haven't always done that, I felt like I got hit by a train. Okay. All right. <laughs> Dude, anytime, like, I, I like drinking the. I probably handle it now better because I'm more used to meats now, but I know for a while I like drinking the night like after the meat because on meat night, I'd be drinking adrenaline would be still cutting through like crazy. And then I'd crash and then I'd be drunk, but then the adrenaline crash just made me like get sleepy all of a sudden. Oh yeah. It's a wild feeling. It's, just, like, oh, it's a wild feeling. <laughs> so you sleep that night and then the next night you're going to take something out. <laughs> keep pumping it. Yeah, pump it in. <laughs> How long have we been going? It's been a long time. Yeah. Huh? It's uh seven forty-five. I think we started at six. My bad. No, so this is great. Yeah. yeah, but we we can't we can't go on forever. Our listeners will say bye bye. Yeah, true, well, true, true. Yeah, I mean we we really enjoyed having you on here. Well, like, wait, wait, wait. We yeah. missed one great segue. Oh, we do. Eric's Eric Lillibridge. 
Yeah, we, <laughs> who's we hotter? <laughs> yeah, we, we have yeah, to ask. We got to ask a couple questions. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> go, Alex. So, yeah, in the scale of whose piss has more anabolic banned substances in it at their prime? At their prime, <laughs> whose piss is hotter, Eric Villabridge or Dave Hoff? Dave Hoff. It's good, I think. Yeah, a lot of us thought Lilybridge, no? But he knows Lilybridge. Yeah, he knows him. I never discussed drug protocol with him, so... I mean, I, I could see that. There's something about Dave <laughs> drug Hoff... Drug protocol. Something about Dave Hoff, though, just, like, seems like he he just jabbed a whole bunch of shit in. I think so. All right. From just what I've his heard. His personality kind of looks like... In their prime. I could be wrong. In I, their prime, Scott Mendelson. I go back. Or Ryan back. Keneally. Ooh. I kind of want to say Ryan Keneally, but only because he was just really jacked with him. <laughs> Yeah, he also yeah. went to prison for selling. That's a good point. See, I answered that while forgetting that detail, though. Yeah. So that was a very... What a badass life. Non-influenced yeah, answer. Yeah. We got any other one? You want to do some bodybuilding? Well, I guess, like, out of the... <laughs> yeah, we could do bodybuilding ones, but I don't really know. They're, like, all just pretty friggin' gas. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Big Rami or Boston Lloyd. <laughs> Boston Lloyd. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, Facts. like, I could ask, like... like You've discussed openly with some people about steroids. Like, who's who's the person that you've met that was on the most? Boston Lloyd. Yeah. Without a doubt. Sorry, Rich Piana or Boston Lloyd? Ooh. Ooh, man. I still... If we're talking just anabolics, I think I'm still leaning towards Boston Lloyd. Yeah, because Rich Rich had problems with other stuff. Yeah, and then he and then a lot of his muscle size, he had, like, the oils and stuff like that. Yeah, but, yeah. So... Yeah, so do, yeah, does synthol count? Mm, who's hotter? Do you, you don't piss synthol? No, no, synthol. No, no, no. Right. I feel like you like it's not banned. Could you be natty if I if I cut down to bodybuilding, but then put synthol on my delts? Am I still natty? I mean, like that's a, how you define natty. Like you wouldn't get popped, but I don't think you're natty. Yeah, but like, let me ask you a question. Yeah, that's a crazy. <laughs> See, that's what I feel about me raps only. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, either go geared or go raw. Like, um, yeah. Synthol only division. If you have fake See, that tits. is so refreshing. I felt like that forever with the knee raps. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you have fake tits, are you natty? Enhanced. It's like, enhanced, for a chick? Yeah. Yeah, you're enhanced, but enhanced in what sense? Does like, that help your bench? I think it could if you like had a really um, controlled you, descent. If you get your spoder pressing down pat, yeah, you probably mm-hmm. could. I think it could. Less range of motion. But that's fine, right? I guess. <laughs> coach, I coach multiple lifters with fake breasts. What if I got synthol? Do you think if I put synthol in my body, I'd get more carryover out of the bench here? Yeah, Damn, probably. you probably would. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of taking in the sleeves, just synthol your Just synthol my triceps like crazy. <laughs> it's cheaper. Dude, we got an experiment <laughs> in the lab here. It's clean. It's clean enough down here. I don't. Yeah, I think that's not banned. I don't think that's banned. Right, we'll look into it. Yeah. Anyway, we have to do a couple of those before we let Nick go. Yeah, no, those are good. I guess can shoot any more at me. Some extra space. Yeah, I mean, like we we appreciate the time. Like we went a while. I don't know, like. I know your time. We know a few hours. Your time, your time is valuable. Man. Yeah, we Thank value you. your time. Yeah. That's just cool. Appreciate you guys having me up. This is really cool. You'll yeah. probably be our most viewed podcast of all time. Hey. Because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, do you want to, do you want to like shout out anything or like plug anything or just, yeah, just follow know? me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Nick Wright. And my Instagram and Twitter are both at Nick Wright NWB. Easy as that. Awesome, man.
Yeah, we appreciate it. This was a sick podcast. Yeah, hell yeah. I'll come up and train you again, too. This is badass. Yeah, too. come up and train. We'll put you in some gear. Oh, hell yeah. That'd be sick. <laughs> I, got, I got plenty of stuff that uh, that would fit you, so if you want to ever fuck around with it, you could. That'd be crazy. I'll give it a yeah. shot. Good yeah. stuff. I'll probably be getting an event shirt soon. I think these guys, PG's probably going to be in a shirt a bunch in the future, so you can come watch some shit. I'll give it a shot. That'd be cool. All right, man. Yeah, All right. Good stuff. Thank right. you, guys. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, like, subscribe. Let us know what you uh, what you liked, what you didn't like. Hit us up for Arizona missions. We'll do it next week. Yeah, leave some comments. Let us know what we screwed up. And uh, you know, no we're, offense we're, to anybody. We're super due. <laughs> no offense to anybody that may have been insulted in this podcast. <laughs> take it. I take it. But we, uh, you know, we don't mean any harm to anybody. Yeah. So thanks for listening. All right. All right. Pop. Later. Later. Peace. <laughs>